Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. The thing is, it sounds crazy, but it was this great system that worked. Uh, the people working at these stores make, like, livable wages. They're making, like, 25 bucks an hour. And there's no risk of them going under, no matter what they pay people, because people will always shop there. And it brought in tons of money for the government, because the government was co-owner in all these things, right? And then now they're breaking that apart and putting it in convenience stores and stuff, because that way you don't have to go to the special store. You can go to the convenience store on your way home from work. Uh, I don't know why you would dismantle a system that's working. And inevitably, what's going to happen now is a bunch of people are going to get in trouble because they don't. They end up selling beer to minors. Well, and and I'd bet you twenty dollars that within five years, the price of beer and liquor will start to inflate faster than it should have. Oh, probably. Right now, they're not doing it with liquor for some reason. The rules are completely different for liquor versus like beer and ciders. I don't know. It's got something to do with like if it's a, considered a certain percentage and whether it's sold in single-use portions and stuff. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make any I've, sense to me. I've lived in a few places that had crazy rules. Uh, Minnesota has this law that's called like the 3-2 law where a regular store or convenience store or anything like that can't sell anything that's above 3.2. Okay. In which that's basically like light beer. So like Natty Light is a three two beer, but Ice House is is a four. So gas stations can't sell Ice House beer because that's too strong. That makes no sense. My favorite thing was when the Olympics were in Utah. I think it was Utah, and like the, there was like the beer company from up here that sponsors the Canadian team and provides them all sorts of free beer, and they couldn't. Because none of the beer they made was legal in Utah. It was all too high in alcohol. So they had to, like, they made, like, a big marketing ploy out of, we've created this new beer just for our Olympians. But really, it was. It's the only way we're allowed to have it down there. <laughs> That's wild. What's up, Brian? Sounds like your country's starting to fall apart, Doug. They're getting all Americanized. Welcome welcome to the big uh, dumpster fire. We're shipping guns up there next. Yeah. Oh, you already, you guys already do that. It's a whole thing. I love, I love the fact that we basically actually do to Canada exactly all the things that we accuse of Mexico doing to the United States. That's correct. That's exactly what happens. Like all of our drugs and guns just filter up to you guys. Yes. It's very frustrating. We do that everywhere though. And then when you guys come here, you complain about the fact that we try to keep guns out of our country. It's really funny to talk to American tourists. Like, why do they always ask if we have guns every time we come across the border? It's like, because you 
have this habit of bringing guns here. How am I supposed to shoot a moose if I ain't got my gat? It's like, well, did you have a gun? They're like, yeah, but that's beside the point. <laughs> what are you guys afraid of? Me bringing my freedom bullets across the border? <laughs> you people. What do you mean by you people? I mean, you too. You, you guys don't know what freedom is, Doug. Do you live in constant fear of grade schools getting shot up? No, I don't think so. That's what freedom sounds like. Last week, or the week before, there was a lockdown at my kid's school because somebody was trying to get in one of the doors. Um, so, like, we have to be notified about it. And they're like, all right. So, like, school's locked down because somebody was trying to get in. Cops arrived, took the, took the guy away. Seems like he was just confused and maybe looking for help. And all the comments below were just like, oh, my gosh, I hope this guy hopes gets the help he needs. <laughs> Everybody was, like, so worried about this guy. Fucking like, Canadians. Hey. See, in the U.S., be like, why didn't the on-school officer shoot him? He was obviously a problem. That that blows my mind that you guys have cops that are just in your schools. Ugh. I like, think it's regular. gross. Well, we wouldn't need them cops in them schools, Doug, if they would just give them teachers guns. Jesus. I hate everything. Everything's horrible. <laughs> hey, speaking of how Brian felt about this week's movies... <laughs> so Noah said he was picking two Italian movies which turned out to be a lie yeah, no I specifically said I. I tried to find two Italian movies and ended up getting an Italian movie and a Canadian movie yeah. alright I guess so I feel like you tricked Brian and I into lying to our listeners in the Facebook post and the related Instagram post Yeah. so we're all very upset with you yeah it's one thing one thing I can't stand for Lying to our listener. Wouldn't want Tracy to be upset. Sorry, Sorry, Tracy. (laughs) Sean would like it to be made known that he is also listening. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, Sean. Hey, and then there's other Kenneth, apparently. There's two Kenneth. The the one from the the uh review. That guy was also named Ken, right? Oh, from the iTunes review? Yeah. Yes. He's probably tuning in every week to see if we've improved the quality of our recording. The one said we were unlistenable. This week's not going to be any better because I've been sick all week. So my voice is fucked up. I don't know. The weird thing is he was bitching about our audio quality. And I I just, I don't, I don't see it. It's not that bad. No. Listen, it's. I mean, it's got a little bit of compression, but that's so that the files aren't a bajillion fucking megs. Yeah. They, People expect professionalism from their podcasts in today's world, and we are not going to be able to provide that. So we we come from the old school back when, like, this was considered good. Plus, I refuse to do the Parcast voice. I remember when I tried to transition into the movies. Anybody? Anybody remember that? Um, Hey, Doug, you seemed uh, really excited about uh, this one movie that, claim to be a combination of RoboCop Terminator and, I don't know, some other bullshit you said on Instagram? Frankenstein? I didn't Frank- say it. Frankenstein. The movie marketed itself as Frankenstein 2000. It's not bullshit that I said. Do you want, do you want to tell us about The Vindicator? The Vindicator. Alright. Um, there's not much to the movie, plot-wise. Uh, so, all these scientists are working on these different projects. It turns out that they are all being used by head corporate sleaze guy to create a a suit which would basically be like a 
a robot suit, which you would attach to a human body, but then the person, somebody else would be able to control it. And I think, I don't think they ever said this in the movie, but a, it seems like the goal would be to make this into some sort of a weapon where you could, because one of the big things is you can trigger it to go into like rage mode at any point in time and kill whatever's in front of it. Mm. Um, things go awry. Guy in fancy suit escapes and is, uh, his wife is trying to find him. So they bring in like Pam Greer to hunt him down. She keeps yeah. trying. He keeps getting away with it. This is obviously the Canadian movie because Maury Culkin's in it. Um, and yeah, everybody is very upset and they're all fighting. And yeah. yeah, basically dude, dude gets blowed up. Dude gets brain and teeth apparently put into robo suit. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little bit funny that they're like, at one point they like, they want to be able to reference the actor. So they actually be like, thank God he had those goggles on and his eyes are like perfect. <laughs> yeah, his eyes are just up. fine. His eyes, his brain, and his teeth. Everything else is gone. Yeah. Good lord. Uh, they kill monkeys in this, which... Uh, they kill one monkey. The monkeys kill way more people than the people kill monkeys. I believe there's one that died in the experiment, and then a yeah, group of soldiers... One group of soldiers unloads on all the other monkeys when they come into the lab with machine guns. That cop shot one monkey, too, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. But that's after those monkeys kill some dudes. So they killed all of the monkeys. Most of it's off screen. Listen, we can agree that too many monkeys died, but can we also agree that watching the monkeys fight with the cops that were trying to, like, shoot them and the, co- and the monkeys come flying out like they're little gremlins and attack the cops was pretty yeah, fun. Yeah, that was great. I did... I did find, so a couple of the effects with the monkeys was actually a good, were fairly good. So the the chimp raging in the cage at the beginning of the movie that they, they kill with their horrible uh, adrenaline overload test. Yeah. It's, it's basically, they just filmed a monkey playing in a cage and then sped it up just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that works. Yeah, no, it worked really good, I thought. I mean, it's it's just supposed to be a rage monkey, right? So Yeah, yeah it's a rage monkey. Um, I will say them putting uh, fake blood in the monkeys' mouths is a little upsetting. Just random shots of all different kinds of monkeys. It like, looks like there's drooling blood and stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Or, Did we mention Sam Greer's in this movie as like a yeah. corporate assassin? Yeah, I mentioned that. We did. It uh, wasn't as good as I had hoped. No, I, didn't, I, 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 you both sound so down. I had a really fucking good time watching this movie. I like this I, movie a lot. Oh my god, I'm so shocked. <laughs> my biggest complaint is that I watched it on YouTube, and it's a very, it's a shitty quality. Yeah, I wish there was the like way. a Vinegar Syndrome remaster or something. Because this movie's very dark in general, and having that bad quality film just makes it that much harder to kind of tell I what's see- going on sometimes. I see where you're coming from because it's difficult to tell. Um, but also, I don't know if you want that suit in high def. Oh, I want that suit in high def. Because that so suit, suit is, yeah. Like, it, it's a little rough. Um, they, uh, I want that suit in PVC so I can wear it this Halloween. <laughs> it doesn't look terrible in some of the shots, but whenever he's moving in it, you're like, oh, it's just a jumpsuit with some stuff taped to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
It's it's a little bit funny too, like because when you think this is 1986, so technically a year before RoboCop, which is interesting because they reference RoboCop in the marketing materials for it. So you're like, okay, so there must have been the VHS must have come out after RoboCop hit theaters or whatever. So Uh, so the you can buy the Vindicator on VHS for like 21 bucks. Yeah, or I guess not. Maybe whatever doesn't matter. That's not the exciting part. The exciting part is there's a DVD you can buy that is a double feature. So if you were going to team the Vindicator up with any other genre movie, what would it be? Uh, fuck. Atomic Cyborg. Okay. I'm going to say Zone Troopers because obviously that's the most logical thing to team up. Okay. Uh, you're both wrong. Okay. Obviously the Vindicator teams up perfectly with the Stepfather. What? <laughs> that's fantastic. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> I love random team ups like that. It's one of my favorite things. But I'm just like, what does this have to do with anything? Was the stepfather Canadian? Uh, might have been. I don't know. Might have been filmed here. Limited edition, a frolic double. I don't know what that means. Doesn't matter. So, Brian, like, what did you think of this movie overall? Besides, you didn't like the monkeys getting hurt, which is reasonable. Overall, I don't think it's a bad idea. Obviously, we've seen other movies that basically do the exact same thing, except yeah. better. Um, I don't know. Just we've commented the, the suit's kind of cheap. Some of the special effects are not great. Other ones work way better. Um, I feel like Pam Greer is completely underused in this movie. It it really yeah. felt like she kind of just phoned in her performance, right? Yeah. Well, this is this is unsexy Pam Greer, yeah. which is always a problem. <laughs> at some point, at some point in her career, she shifted from sexy fun Pam Greer to I'm a serious badass Pam Greer, and that Pam Greer needs to chill the fuck out. <laughs> so Noah, can you now read then, your personal email address out so that all the complaints about what you just said don't come directly to us? yeah so it was about 50 minutes in the, into this movie and i'm just like all of this and no fucking tits in this movie and Don't then the the main lady like is taking a bath and she gets up i'm like well you see some butt i guess all right and then later there's some boobs but they're like fucking terrible it's so, so random there's just random teats at, yeah. at the end of the movie typically if you're gonna throw in a random boob you throw it in at the beginning of the movie to yeah. convince people that there's going to be more boobs. Exactly. And uh, they were just, I don't know, they weren't quality. It's really interesting nope. that this is your takeaway from this movie. With all the stuff that went on, you're like, I don't know how we ended up on this I'm topic. just saying, of all things, you know, sleazy, sleazy exploitation, like, you know, 1986 movie. I could be like, okay, at least there's some boobs in it. Well, it's also, this movie also has this weird thing where, I don't know, 75% of the violence in the movie is very uh, PG, bang, bang, people falling down violence. But then all of a sudden there's a couple like moments where it gets gory or there's like a kill effect or something. And you're like, okay, no, well, that was fucking cool. Why didn't we do that? Like, because that movie is a way better movie. It's. Almost as if they were making a PG-13 movie and got a note saying, like, R this up a little. And they went in and, like, added in the nudity and the, a little bit bigger violence. For the oh, scene. yeah. That's where, that's where they fucked up. They needed a Corman. 
They, <laughs> they yeah. didn't bring Corman in here yeah. to sleaze this movie up a little bit. I think they were Rick. trying to make a serious movie, and credit where credit's due. Like I think they were trying to make like a, a dramatic film. That's why so much screen time is dedicated to the, like the wife, like trying to discover if that's really her husband under the stuff and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's to me, that's where the film kind of fails is the drama stuff doesn't doesn't yeah, play at all. I feel like they, they were trying to point out how this suit makes them super powerful and stuff. Yeah. They don't do anything with that at all. Sure he does. He lifts up that one car one time. Oh, yeah. So that a kid can go under it. He didn't. And it crushes uh, it, too. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, he could have been tearing people's arms off, smacking them over the head. Yeah. That's what know, I want. Crushing want. their head. Like, yeah, if you're going to do it, gore the shit out of it. Maybe yeah, I think might. there's one of the flaws of direct-to-video filmmaking is when they think they're making a movie. And it's like you're making this for people who might rent a movie called The Vindicator off their <laughs> off their local yeah. video store shelf. Like, make it for people who are going to do that. I don't know where all the the attempt at making it into a more serious film. I don't know where that comes from. Like, yeah, and I don't imagine they were like, "This is going to be a big theatrical hit." This was definitely straight to to like VHS like stuff. So throw like a head crushing scene in there. Those are like easy to do. Yeah, I think this this movie very much feels like maybe they got, uh, you know, whenever people are shopping scripts around in the early days, like they saw the RoboCop script, but chose not to buy it. And then they were like, you know what we could do? <laughs> we could just we could just do that. And then somebody was like, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the themes? Well, it's basically kind of a modern day Prometheus retelling of Frankenstein, because even RoboCop to some extent actually is like yeah. it just straight up is, but they did it, but not as well. <laughs> yeah. It's they lacked vision. This, this movie lacks vision. I I think the bones are all there. Yeah. I don't know if vision is the right word for it though. I think it's more execution. I think it's them not knowing, not knowing exactly what they're making and not taking the steps necessary to make it what it needs to be. Because right. th- this would be better if it were more of an exploitation film. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I mean by vision, though. I mean, like, aesthetically, I don't think they knew what they were. Because there's there's a weird moment. Like, there needs this. a this, this film has a visual problem to it in which the scenes that are, are generic for significant amounts of the film boring. There just needed yeah. to be more shit. Mm. Yeah, it needed more concentration on the violence. Because there's a moment in, in the, early in the film where I got my hopes up real high. It's shortly after all the monkeys are fighting the police. And I'm like, I enjoyed that. And then he's in like an alley. And somebody starts telling him he looks like the Silver Surfer. And they're like, yeah, the Silver Surfer if you got beat up by the Incredible Hulk. And I'm like, okay, they know their audience. Like Silver Surfer reference in 1986? That means they know that they're shooting for geeks. And that's great because that means they're going to give us what we like in movies. But then it veered away from that and into, you know, made for TV type stuff where it was like the drama that isn't really dramatic. And the, for some reason, the bad guy has to also sleep with a girl and refuse to give her cab fare home because of, that's how you <laughs> prove how he's a bad guy, I guess. And it's like, yeah, that wasn't very nice of him, but I don't know what it has to do with this movie. Yeah. 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 The guy who murdered his coworker and, and, killed a monkey just to see how high he could turn the dial on a machine. Yeah. That guy, that guy, we needed an extra push to know he was bad. Yeah. 
And the, the expression was that girl waited for him all evening. Then they slept together. And then he's like, okay, get out. And he wouldn't pay for her cap. He's <laughs> like, take a bus. I'm not your bank or something like that. And I'm like, that's, I laughed at the scene, but I didn't laugh with the scene. I laughed at the scene. There is a difference. Yeah. Like, Ooh, he's so evil. It was like, w- once again, it was a bad because of the low quality of the, uh, the copy this is messed out but the the explosion scene where you kind of like for a half a second see him kind of terminator 2 a little bit yeah that was that was pretty dope yeah i, wish I, the quality I really better. liked the look of the face whenever he took the helmet off yeah honestly yeah. we kind of mocked it with the the comments about the the goggles and the teeth sticking out but it worked even the shots where the brain is exposed i thought it looked neat yeah Helmet helmet on, he just looks like a 1970s sci-fi biker. All right. Sure. Like you you would be the expert you, on that. You guys so. I was I was gonna say, see, you guys snicker, but at the same time, you all know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, but that reminded me only because we've been hosting a podcast with you for so right. long that we've had to watch those movies, not because we've chosen to know that. He reminded me of that toy from the eighties, Captain Power. Yep. Captain Power. I love me some Captain Power back in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, but, Just... but I was gonna say once he took the helmet off and it was kind of once again it's a ripoff thing. I think they intentionally were trying to make him look like Vader without the helmet, kind of. Sure. Where yeah. he's just eye and his it's kind of see through, plasticky, and you can see his teeth and. Yeah, because his lips and shit are all gone. Yeah, it was pretty gross and neat. Like uh, I thought, I thought that worked. Um, I just wish the suit had looked better, and maybe part of that is performance yeah. as well. If he'd been able to act more mechanically in the suit, maybe it would have not stood out yeah, so the, much. The, how much of a jumpsuit it was. It needs like a better quality to it because the suit comes off as a very gray brown sort of color, mm-hmm. and like that's not appealing. Like you look at the RoboCop suit. It's that nice, like, like uh, light blue, like you know, yeah, blue, sort of fades into purple. Steel. Like that's cool looking. You look at the Terminator skeleton, like it's just chrome metallic. That's cool looking, and this is just sort of. Bleh. I'm kind of okay with this, like the coloring of it, because it's meant to be more gritty and real than those other things. Yes, but also I'm like I'm just looking at the poster art now, and I'm like, why didn't it look like that? If it had looked like the poster art version of it, <laughs> then I'm like, then it'd be fine. I wouldn't be complaining about the color or whatever, right? We should point out that they start out as this like gold foil suit, and then they eventually just burn that away, and it's, it's <laughs> like suit you guys, you guys have no fucking idea how excited I was whenever it started off as that gold foil suit, and I was like, please. Tell me it's just this fucking hazmat suit for the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> just the laziest fucking 1972 bullshit. Yeah, luckily they like burned it off them and it all got all melted and stuff. I do think it's funny that uh, people complain about movies like uh, Iron Man and stuff where um, like our hero basically just has to fight like another version of himself. And apparently this was a problem all the way back in 1986 because the bad guy eventually just gets in one of those suits and it's just, they literally just fight each other. It's, and it doesn't even really like build to that. Like there's no indication for me in the film that the bad guy wants to be in the suit. Like I thought he was building these 
like troopers kind of thing that he could use as some kind of weapon. I didn't occur to me that he wanted to become one of them. Yeah. Well, there's also no, unless I missed it, there's no like thing for him to overcome to become that either. Like Iron Man, they can't figure out the uh, arc reactor technology or whatever. This one is just like, no, you have other suits. Like you could just hop in one. Yeah. Anytime. That'd be fine. Yeah. It turns out you don't have to put the rage button in your brain. You can just put on the suit. Yeah, you'd be fine. This fucking movie. <laughs> it wasn't like atrociously terrible, but it wasn't good. Some of the setups are just hilarious. Like, I don't know, the the main guy before he gets blowed up, um, him and his woman are getting to do some sexy time, but then like they have like a transmitter that's just picking up random shit in their house. And it's just like, oh, I gotta fix that. And of course that becomes like a major plot point later of how he comes to talk to her and stuff. And it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like this is some of the worst writing like ever. Here, maybe this will make you feel better, Brian. My wife got me a present for Christmas. (laughs) Good Lord. It's, it's a goat. It's a little goat wearing a Christmas sweater that screams. (laughs) We're going to have to make a rule that that goes in the other room while we're recording. (laughs) Ah, uh, but it makes it makes me smile every time. It makes Doug mad, so Noah's double winning. I don't, I don't even know how we get back to the movie. I don't know. Like, like those, I said, the, on paper, about, on paper, this movie should be so good. Yeah. RoboCop, slightly more Frankenstein-y with like uh, a dark man plot, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. yeah, when you say it like that, it gets me excited for the movie. It's the delivery, I think, that doesn't quite work. And I think, to, I don't know, I think we've already said it, but the emphasis on drama over action is a mistake. I don't yeah. know if it's a mistake of budget or if it's a mistake of decision making, but. Because the majority of it's just like his wife being like, oh, I think he might still be alive. Yeah. Well, how do you know? Because some random voice comes out of this transmitter thing. Yeah, I I feel like my movie my movie watching experience of this would have been so elevated if I had seen this in the middle of the night on USA Up All Night. <laughs> would be a different or, experience. I was yeah, wondering if it like was ever mon- on there. Yeah, or Monster Vision, or you know, a show like that. I think the perfect viewing uh, thing of this would be like the uh, thing me and you went to, Noah, the uh, marathon. Down in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. It would be a just great a one room, for that. just full of people who are on completely on board for something like this. Like it would probably be a great time watching it by myself, being like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah, probably yeah. not the best viewing experience. A, a big gulp, a cheeseburger, and a laughing audience would make this a thousand times better. Yeah, I uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm not watching it again for the purposes of finding out. <laughs> What did you guys think of the scene when the uh, it's the Mori chicken or chucking or whatever however you pronounce it character like tells the wife he's gonna like get a message to the guy and brings him like a letter and it turns out to all be a trick to help Pam Greer catch him and they like I was like what a prick I was like I thought that scene was really well done though I had no idea it was a trick until the floor opened up and he fell through into that vat of whatever that like froze all around him and yeah I'm like. Ah. 
I'm like, why is this one scene so much better executed than the rest of the film? This yeah, makes no trapped, sense. The trapped in a resin block thing was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Did oh, you enjoy on, the, it? on the other hand, the best friend, if you didn't know that best friend was evil from a mile away, that's fucking crazy. I knew he was evil. I just didn't know that was the scene where he turned evil. Did you also enjoy it when he goes back to the house and tries to rape the woman too, Doug? No, I didn't enjoy that part. No, oh, oh, okay. It, although well executed, it did. this film did not warrant an attempted rape scene. The weird subplot where he, like, from the beginning of the film is like, because there's the moment where the the main guy who eventually becomes, you know, the robot and his wife are, like, expecting a child and his buddy at work is, like, congratulating him. And he's like, by the way, if you die, I get your wife and kid, right? And it's like, I don't think that's something that you usually say to someone. No. That's, that's very unusual from my perspective. <laughs> like, like, right there is when you knew he was evil, because you don't just have a guy say that. But it was like, what is what is the deal on that? I don't know if I understand that. What would you do, Doug, if one of your friends told you that? Would you just be like, what the fuck? Yeah, I'd be like, that's very... I, I certainly, like, in this movie where it's like, oh, of course you can, I would be like, no, that's very unusual <clears throat> to me. I don't think we should be friends anymore, honestly. Yeah, look at it. Sure, you've made it very awkward. I think this might be a hostile work environment, actually. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant until just now. <laughs> what about the sewer chase? I feel like it had a lot of potential. Yeah. And then it's just, oh, I'm going to hide behind some pipes. And then, like, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I feel like... You'll never when... find me behind these pipes. <laughs> like, when he was... um. When they were setting it up and, like, Pam Greer was dividing people into teams and stuff and sending them down, I was, like, kind of excited. But... Yeah. And then it turns out they're walking around the same, like, 10-foot area. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you didn't you didn't find an actual sewer to just shoot in, right? Like, you couldn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> doesn't seem like it'd be It's like hard. when he pulls the pipe out of the ceiling and turns it into a flamethrower, that's kind of cool, but... Yeah. For a second. everything else down there is like, yeah, this was dumb. Well, and I think sometimes, like, that's what happens with um, less than great filmmaking is you're like, okay, they have this idea where he'll shoot the pipe fire at them and all that. But then they're like, how do we get to that? You, you want it to be like an interesting chase scene the whole time. And it just isn't. Yeah. And I was going to make a joke about the director, like, being like a one-off director or whatever, but he has 41 credits to his name. So Jesus. Never, never mind. I guess we won't be doing that. What What other illustrious titles? Uh, something. Oh, a TV show called District Thirty One. He's been doing TV shows like recently. Oh, some of them are in French. That's why. Mm. Oh, I see what it is. He's a Quebec director. That's got to be it. Son of a bitch. Goddamn Quebecians. I'm trying to find other stuff he's done that's like similar to this, and I'm not seeing much. 1989, something called Minefield that could be something like that. Oh, Eddie and the Cruisers too. Eddie lives. You guys, oh, Jesus. You guys have seen that, right? No, I haven't. I've heard it was terrible. Yeah, I've heard that too. I've also not seen it. The Tadpole and the Whale, I feel like I've seen that. It's a kid's movie of some kind. I do love IMDb, though. IMDb is like, did you like The Vindicator? You'll also like Savage Streets. <laughs> They're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, I don't know. this director did... Uh, Visiting Hours, which is also on the list of movies. It sure is. Michael Ironside movie. So if we did that next week, we'd be accidentally kicking off a month dedicated to this guy? I mean, I guess so, but <laughs> what other movies are we going to have to watch? I don't know. We're going to have to figure that out. 
I would only be in charge of figuring out next week. You guys would be in charge of finding his movies for the weeks after. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a short month. It's also <laughs> suggesting Rotor, Robot Officer Tactical Operation Research. Prototype robot okay. intended for crime combat escapes no, development a lab and goes on a killing rampage. I'm going to ask you to politely close your IMDb app before you cause any more trouble. <laughs> Too late. All right. So I've seen, I, the, I've seen the movie poster. It's in my head now. All right. So I think we can safely say that the conclusion on this film is exactly what everyone knew it was going to be when they saw that thing go up with this title in it, which is that Brian and I are kind of like, no, not really. And Noah's excited about it. <laughs> so that, damn it. Like did ever, everybody knew that, but now we've gotten there through discussion as opposed to just making the assumption. Pretty dear, much. Dear listener, don't, don't listen to these sour pusses. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Although, no, I, I do think you're right, though. If, if there was a way I could watch this on a Monster Vision or Joe Bob Briggs or Up All Night or something, I think it would be more enjoyable. Well, I, I think maybe that's the issue with a lot of my movie picks. All of my movies are movies that are much better watched in a, like, uh, a friendly environment. So in those cases, you have like a horror host or whatever taking you through. Or if you watched it with a room full of people, you'd have a good time. And the difference between me and you guys is I got all them voices in my head keeping me company all the time. <laughs> well, why don't you take those voices and tell us what Zone Troopers is about? So Zone Troopers is a Charles Band movie <laughs> shot on location in Italy. Uh, it is World War II. And a reporter has been embedded with a uh, group of American militarios, uh, including one Wait, sorry, Sergeant American Stone. <laughs> that is not how you pronounce any of that. Sure it is. Um, uh, Sergeant Stone, who clearly is supposed to be Sergeant Rock from comic books because, uh-huh. you know, dorks made this movie. Uh and they get trapped behind enemy lines with the Nazis and discover a crashed spaceship and a weird insectoid alien. Mm-hmm. And then they have to help the E.T. go home and learn the joy of killing Nazis. Um, so unfortunately, I only got to watch half of this. What? Because my Tubi kept fucking up. How do, play you, it. how do you keep messing up Tubi, man? I so sent it- you the picture of what the error message that popped up. So that means you missed the whole part of the movie where he teaches the alien the joy of killing Nazis. Pretty much. The aliens do help it, kill a lot of Nazis at the end. The only thing that I got up to the point where he was saying they need to blow the spaceship up yeah. because the Germans were going to take it. And then it went to commercial and never came back. Well, I don't understand why you have troubles with Tubi. Tubi is so kind Sorry. to me. This, well, is, I was, this is why I watched this shit a week ago. They did blow it up. Yeah. Like that. You missed the blowing up part. And it's a rather large explosion. Oh, and they, they blow did. it up Surprise. with they blow it up with Nazis inside it, <laughs> which is uh, credit where credits due. If you're gonna blow up a spaceship, put some Nazis in it first. Um, but yeah, and then they like they help the alien get to the uh, the alien ship that's coming to rescue the aliens, and they're trying to convince the aliens to help them fight the Nazis, but they don't wanna because they're peaceful aliens. Mm-hmm. And then Nazis, Nazis show up and do Nazi shit. And then they're like, oh shit, we got to defend ourselves. And then they give people alien weapons and they kill a shit ton of Nazis. Yeah, I mean, technically all that happens. It's it's vaguely interesting because that one point that the aliens are, 
they say, well, we're not going to help you kill each other or kill, kill, is it like kill? I, don't, I forget the words they use, but then they're like, the humans have to convince the aliens that Nazis basically aren't human. And it's, I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, no, they they say, why would you do that? Why would you kill your own kind? And they said, Nazis aren't our kind. (laughs) Oh, then it's fine. Which is, sure. Fucking Nazis. So the fact that this was a Charles Band movie was a complete fucking surprise. (laughs) Which is weird, because I've seen a lot of Charles Band movies. Yeah. I, I think I got this one off of, uh, like, I have tons and tons of lists of just random Italian and Spanish movies that are like, you need to watch this weird shit. Of course you do. And this was on that list. But I would argue, I don't know. Is this an Italian movie? It was shot entirely in Italy. But everybody speaks real good English except the Germans. Exactly. I, I feel like calling this an Italian movie is real fucking tenuous. Yeah, I feel like you... All bullshit. I, I feel like you told us you were picking Italian movies for this week, and you managed to pick zero Italian movies. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> Although somehow I did manage to throw a dart in the... <laughs> uh, throw a dart in the dark and hit Charles Band, which is pretty funny. <laughs> No, it's not, that's, no one is surprised by that coming from you, though. It's like I, I consider that a fucking superpower. I'm like a omega level mutant when it comes to finding Charles Band movies. So, did he f- film this on the grounds of like that mansion or castle that he bought or whatever that he shot like everything in in the eighties? Probably. All right. So, putting all that aside, the actual movie not really good, though, right? No. Like, oh man. The alien like this is an alien invasion movie ostensibly. The aliens show up twenty eight minutes into a ninety one minute film. It's like what are you doing? Yeah, I don't I don't accept that this is an alien invasion movie. This is this is essentially a Nazi uh, Nazis are bad movie where there happens to be an E. T. storyline in it. Bold stance. Nazis are bad. Um. So you guys, once again, I know you guys didn't like it, but this is garbage. <laughs> nom, 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 but nom, here's nom. what I'm trying to understand: what did, what did you like about it? Uh, I this loved the I loved the horrible spider alien baby that grows to a full sized spider alien in a very short period of time, and is yeah. apparently the same one that he saw somehow. Maybe they like are constantly regressing and being reborn or something. I don't know. There's something weird there. Uh, I did like, so not, not the guy who played the sergeant, but uh, the dude who played the second in charge guy, who's with the uh, journalist through most of the movie. Uh, God damn it. Yeah. What the fuck is that actor's name? It's not going to matter. No one else knows who he is. It's going to drive me crazy. Yes, they do. If they saw his face, they would know who he is. Yeah. They're not going to know his name, though. But I thought I thought his character was real fun and interesting. The main character, who's kind of the wide-eyed private, is obnoxious. He's the worst. Oh, golly gee. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, Charles Band gave him the note of be that annoying kid from every 1950s movie, but you're in the army. Yeah, yeah. He was the neighbor from a 50s sitcom. Yeah. Golly gee, mister. It's all the pie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was annoying as hell. I don't know. 
See, I, I found this film to be kind of boring. I have to admit I, that. I thought the outside of the spaceship looked terrible, but the inside of the spaceship was great for some reason. <laughs> I will. I'll give you that. The inside looked better. Yeah. Like I was I, when I saw the outside, and then when they went in, I'm like, oh, it's shockingly how much this looks like the inside of a spaceship, considering the outside looks like something that like a kid drew in kindergarten class when they said to draw a spaceship. Honestly, I was kind of impressed that that ship was full size. That blew my mind, I, actually. I assumed it was going to be like a forced perspective yeah. sort of situation. And then they actually get up to it and are climbing on it. I'm like, oh, no, it's a full-size ship. Yeah, the bright, the bright yellow of the spaceship was a decision that was made. <laughs> it certainly was. I mean, it very much. The, the weird. So the outside of the spaceship is very Earth Girls are easy. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And, it sure is. And the inside of the spaceship is more like Farscape. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's not an inaccurate way to put that. Yeah. Um, they do not. I don't. There's something incongruous about those two things that I find even more entertaining. That they they put. It feels like they put a whole lot of effort into the inside of the spaceship and the outside. They were like, make it big. We can't afford to make it big. Make it shitty and big. <laughs> now, okay, here's an interesting question. I don't have the information in front of me. Before or after Killer Clowns from Outer Space? When was this made? Because that's the same thing they did in that movie. They're like, just get a standard-looking tent. and then sand? I'd have to say after, right? Let's find out. Because I could see him watching that movie and being like, we did that with a spaceship. It'd be fine. Um, Killer Clowns is 88. Oh, this is like 85. Yeah, that's not even close. Um, Crazy. All right. Yeah, Zone Troopers 85. Yeah. So I'm still trying to understand, Noah, because you you keep saying this is good. Like, is it funny? Uh, Well, it's funny because it's a Charles Band movie. I, which doesn't mean <laughs> Please they wrote. To I, I'm, I'm not saying they wrote a funny script. I'm okay. saying... They made a movie that, in all seriousness, just is a fucking kind. Not exactly a train wreck, because that's, I don't think that that's accurate, but they fully committed to making the garbage movie that this was always going to be. And as long as you fully commit to making that garbage movie, I'm so fucking happy. I don't know. See, because for me, I was, I don't know. Because a couple of the actors in this even act like they're in a fucking movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> not golly G. Willikers guy, but like the guy the who plays guys... Stone, like plays it pretty serious. Uh, Art, Art LaFleur, that's the guy's name. Did you find like there was inconsistencies though? Because like, some of the performances were so stiff and some of them were, I think, trying to be funny. I don't know. I kept waiting I for like a good action scene too, which is my own fault, I guess. But I mean, spoiler alert, Brian, for when you get around to watching the second half. But the action scenes oh, yeah. aren't that right exciting. Away. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like they were trying to be, I don't want to say serious with the World War II stuff because that's obviously not the case. Um, but I don't know. They're really earnest. I'll yes. Say, with, S- serious is with never the, the correct stuff. word with Charles Band movies. Yes. So it seemed like they were they were taking it like like we said, like a 1950s movie. And then all of a sudden, aliens. But yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like it really worked but again i only saw like half of it and i saw one shot of an alien so well in in some ways i think of so charles band's movies 
are a lot like uh, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. My brain did it again. Kevin Smith's movies. There we go. <laughs> I, in the fact that Kevin Smith basically just made movies for his friends. And I think Charles Band's movies are kind of the same thing. He's not intentionally making a shitty movie, but he also always knew he's not making Oscar bait movies. He's just making movies that him and people like him would enjoy. Sure. Does that does that make sense? And and I th- and I feel like that's why I enjoy them because I am one of those types of people that's like, ooh, garbage movie. Nom 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 nom. <laughs> Yeah, no, I guess I, I kind of see what you're saying there, that, that this is just... But I, it, it felt for me, for sure, like when the big action scene happens with the, the, the aliens provide the weapons to the Americans and now they're taking out the Nazis, it really felt like they were trying to make a good action scene there. And it fell apart in so many ways. Oh, I don't... Once again, earnest. They were being earnest. I think they were legitimately trying to do that the best they can it's just the best they can is that much (laughs) i guess because like like the biggest thing for me was like they make a big deal that they get these weapons from the aliens and the the way the weapons work is they're these big cartoon looking guns and when you shoot them at a nazi it the nazi disappears and they're like these are going to be amazing but like that's pretty much the same effect of having like, if you had a machine gun, it would be more effective in the battlefield. Because the Nazi disappearing or the Nazi falling down dead is not really doesn't really change the outcome from a battle perspective. <laughs> in those, that special effect is basically uh, um, cell painting and them just doing cuts, right? Just yeah. cutting and removing people from the scene. Yeah. But, man, those cuts are so fucking bad. Everybody's supposed to stay in the same spot whenever you do the cut. <laughs> Yeah. Um, see, again, this, I guess we're making the same point. It's just we have a different perspective. Because I'm just looking at it going like, this is, what is this? This is nonsense. Yeah, see, and I'm going, ooh, this is nonsense. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> <sighs> so I don't know. I don't, like, this, this broke the cardinal rule for me where it got boring. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't. I, so I actually accept that point in the fact that the the thing that they really fucked up with this movie is the pacing. There's way too much the group of them sitting around and having some random conversation. In which I I understand why they did that, because you know, they're trying to do their take on a war movie, and a lot of war movies are just five soldiers s- sitting in a hole in the ground having a twenty minute conversation about what it's like back home. You know that dumb oh, shit oh, yeah, that yeah, I yeah. don't and, give two fucks out. Yeah, about. that that's the earnest part of this movie. Right. Yeah, but the problem, like the that part, and the fact that it's not done well. Okay, they were working within the limitations of their skill set or whatever. I can kind of live with that. But it's like, why are you doing that in the same movie with those giant cartoon alien guns? Uh, I guess that's where I, I'm like, just. Like, I don't want to watch either of these movies. I don't want to watch their poorly made war movie or their um, poorly made alien movie. But at least. Which is why next week we're watching Troma's War, the better war movie. There will be no Troma next week. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, once again, I agree with you. Those things do not belong together. And the fact that they're together makes me really happy. But at the at the same time, I did once again. I fully accept the criticism of this movie has boring spots in it, and that should not happen. Not in this type of movie. 
like the advantage of this type of movie is that the things happening on screen are supposed to keep you mildly entertained and and they fail to do that in parts. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I basically wasn't entertained at any point in time during the movie and that's an issue. Not even the part where the dude uses the random weird little pyramid magic-y thingy and it makes a door that makes a lady for some reason? And then the other guy tries to make another lady and breaks it, I guess? No. You know that scene. <laughs> that doesn't entirely make sense. No, it doesn't. And again, again, this is just... I'll remind you that for some of us, when a scene doesn't make any sense, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, I don't understand your strange language, Frenchman. Uh, I don't know. I wish there was better movies to talk about. We'll let the listener decide. (laughs) Tracy, is this movie garbage? (laughs) And you, Eric. I don't think Eric listens anymore. That bastard. (laughs) Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Hey, what's everybody watched since the last time we recorded? Which has actually been a while. Uh, the answer to that is my giant pile of Christmas movies that I watch every year. Okay. So that's that's not super exciting. Yeah. Like Christmas Vacation, guess what? It's still fucking funny. It's funny every time. <laughs> Never stops being funny. If it makes you feel better, I watched it like hammered drunk this year. And it's funny when you're in that state as well. She's nice. It's good. It's good to know. It's good to know it's funny either way. I haven't watched a drunk porch usually like not not how you watch Christmas movies, but I, I found out on Disney plus, if you go into the, uh, extras section, some of the movies that have like director's cuts and extended editions, they're actually in the extra section. So I watched the like, um, extended cut of Muppet Christmas Carol. It's like a lot of. Is it like a harder R cut? Is it director's thing? <laughs> no, it's just got. It's got like two more songs in it. Okay, and one of them is really depressing. And I was like, oh, I see why they cut this. Which is Scrooge's uh, girlfriend singing into an entire song about how he fucked up and she doesn't love him anymore. <laughs> so I was like, that's kind of that really is dark. Even for Scrooge being a Christmas bitch, that's still bad. <laughs> like. Uh, what else? Mickey's a Christmas Carol. Nice. I watch about five different versions of Christmas Carol every year, and then Rankin and Bass, all the Rankin and Bass stuff. Yeah. Frosty the Snowman. I watched a nineteen uh, thirties short version of a Christmas Carol, uh, with uh, riff tracks over top of it. That's nice. Fun. It was just it was on their YouTube channel. They put up a bunch of holiday shorts. I'm like, this is great. Uh, and that's it. I keep meaning to go see the Iron Claw, but. I can I, I know how that story ends. <laughs> Shit, that movie's real good. Yeah, but to, isn't it fucking? About to it's, talk about it. It's got to be fucking depressing, right? The end's depressing. Tell me, no, it's not. The end is extremely uplifting. I find that Weird, really weird, fucking hard to believe. Weirdly, Doug is not lying. Yeah. They do find I, a way to like. 
here's here's actually what I'm going to suggest is I'm going to suggest that Noah bow to the conversation at the end, and Brian and I discuss the movie so that Noah can go see it uh, unspoiled. Yeah, I suppose I I I accept that. It's one of those ones I've I've like went to buy tickets to it three times, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's going to be sad, and it's going to ruin my whole fucking day. <laughs> there is sadness to it. But they do find a way to no shit. They, they do. <laughs> like, I'm saying they do find a way to to bring it back around at the end. It's yeah. It's it's complicated. The idea of what's considered a happy ending and what's not is. I mean, I'm surprised they named it the Iron Claw and didn't name it the Von Erichs Talent and Tragedy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would draw a lot of people in. But yeah, that's it. So I haven't been. I haven't really been out to see anything else. Did you watch any uh, What If Noah? Oh, I did. I watched the first three. God damn it! I got I got up to Cahorti, all right, and that's that's where I left off. In which I'll tell you what I really really fucking liked that episode mm-hmm. because I was like, ooh, they're doing a completely original character. That's kind of fascinating. But at the same time, not only did they create a character that, for lack of a better term, and and this isn't me shitting on it, because like I said, I liked it, a Mary Sue character that is way too fucking powerful. Yeah. Not only that, there's 30 of them. So so there's 30 of these psycho Superman characters, and it's like, okay, yeah, but if they can just do anything better than everyone all the time, then there's no conflict. It gets dumb. Well, I'm sure you saw by the end she does show up again later, and she's the only one that matters. So, yeah, that's why. I mean. Yeah, because she's God. <laughs> yeah, God shows up and solves the fucking problem. It's, it's the only person who has ever made that character work like for real in a comic book is uh, fucking Alan Moore with Doctor Manhattan. Like, and that's it. And the only reason why that character works is because he's an inhuman monster. Because he's so powerful. He completely becomes detached from all reality and emotion. But like I said, episode itself, good. I just don't... I I hate the fact that they they ramped her up so much. Because now that character has no place to go. I super enjoyed the the Hydra Buster episode. That was a good one. Yeah. Sequel to stuff from last season, which is nice. Did you see the Gamora episode? Uh, I did. I personally didn't find that one all that great. So that was the one that was supposed to be on last season. And they had to cut it, even though Gamora still showed up in the finale. I like the fact that they found an excuse to weave in the uh, much-rumored, much-maligned tentacle porn scene with the Grandmaster into that episode. (laughs) Oh, Jeff Goldblum. I don't. I love Jeff Goldblum, but you know, the, even upon rewatching Ragnarok and stuff, I'm like, they went, they just went too much with that character. They made him so silly that I don't. It, it all loses something because he's so goofy. Hmm. Anyways, what'd you watch, Doug? Uh, I also did a bunch of Christmas stuff. I won't go through it all. The only one that's kind of interesting, I watched uh, the mean one. Which is okay. the Grinch horror movie that came out last year that couldn't find last year, so I managed to find it this year. Um, it's 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 what you think it is. <laughs> so it's it's basically a what if episode in itself. The idea is that when the Grinches, well, the Hoobs are actual people that live in like Uville instead of Whoville, 
and the Grinch is uh, robbing Cindy Lou's house, and and when she's about to like convince him to like regrow his Christmas spirit, his mom comes down the stairs and ends up being killed in a horrible accident. <laughs> so the idea is that twenty something years later, or whatever, Cindy and her dad have come back to town to like sell off the old house, and they're staying at it, and they start to celebrate Christmas, and things start to go wrong, and turns out there's this whole conspiracy where the town has made a deal with the Grinch to not celebrate Christmas in order to have him not come in and like kill and eat the townsfolk. So now that these guys are setting up Christmas decorations, it starts all this killing again. And there has to be a big uh, battle with the Grinch at the end. So um, I don't think they call him the Grinch at any point in time. It's probably they legally can't, but probably not. Um, but he's, I mean, if anyone's seen the still pictures, it's a guy in a Grinch costume. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It delivered what it promised. It was a lot bloodier and gorier than I expected. And a lot less of like just following the original storyline. Like I said, I I enjoyed the, when I realized they were doing the what if element of it and changing it around, I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm not going to know everything that's going to happen going forward. There's going to be an actual story to this that I, you know, it's not just a parody. Um, which is good. Um, like I said, bloody, gory, the Grinch eats people. Is that is that something you wanted to know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I I wouldn't. I'm not recommending it to everyone who is out there, but I'm recommending it to people who were like, maybe I should see that. Like, yeah, go ahead. It's if you were on the fence, you'll probably enjoy it. But I totally understand why there are people who got nowhere near that fence. Like. <laughs> In a world where we're, we're recording this, as it's been announced, that there are now two Mickey Mouse horror films coming out, and there's a Winnie the Pooh one. I think the Grinch yeah. obviously lends itself to the horror take. Not Mickey those. Mouse. Technically, Steamboat Willie. Sorry. Yes. You're right. Although, like, I think the horror films are using the term Mickey, which might have to be changed before they yeah, I'm kinda wondering actually about release them. Um, anyways. No, his, his name is Mickey. You can use the name Mickey. You just can't use the modern depiction of him. Yeah, can you say you probably can't say Mickey Mouse? You can only say Mickey or something like that. Um, and you can't put gloves on him. That's one specific thing I read because apparently he has no gloves in the Steamboat Willie um, mm-hmm. cartoon. But anyways, that's a tangent. Um, anyways, the mean one it delivers what it promises. It's better than I expected. It's still not good. Um, I'll probably watch it again next year at Christmas. <laughs> so. Um, other than that, we're saving the Iron Claw, right? Sure. What else have I watched? Oh, I watched the, uh, this supposedly a remake of Wrong Turn from 2021. I've been wanting to see that for a while. Probably had some wrong time. Turn. <laughs> Here's the thing. This is not a remake of Wrong Turn at all. No. Like it's, it's, a, it's just a lie and that pisses me off and it's very frustrating and difficult to get through because of that. Cause it's like. This is a story about people who are hiking the Appalachian Trail, wander off into the woods and find like a society of people out there. And I guess I'm spoiling it, but like the society of people who broke off from the United States right before the Civil War happened and established their own little colony because they didn't want to be part of the Civil War. And they're still living up there. And the locals kind of know they're up there, but leave them alone and try to sort of warn people, stay on the trail. If you wander off, you're going to get caught up with these guys. Um, and I'm like, well, that's not what wrong turn is. So that pisses me off. 
right? <laughs> um, and I don't know. I, I, there's some good parts to this. I think there's some good violence in it. A couple other things that work really well. Some of the gore is good. Um, the main group of characters that gets lost, it is just annoying how much they're just screaming at each other the entire time. Um, and you're just like, they're just immediately turned on each other and they're just screaming in each other's faces. And I'm like, just somebody just speak one of your lines of dialogue. Don't scream it, please. Just anyone. I beg of you. <laughs> like, it's very frustrating. And it seems to be quite inconsistent where you're like, they're just, everyone's being normal. And then all of a sudden one little thing goes wrong and the people are just right up in each other's faces. And you're like, okay, I get that you're trying to show that the group is falling apart, but it's not working for me. Um, the other thing, and this this is like, I guess like a real spoiler, but so the one guy gets caught in this trap and gets dragged down. Right. And then he's now being carried by two guys that are like dressed up in these weird animal costumes that you can kind of see in the poster art and stuff. Um, and he's being carried on like, like a, like, I don't know what you call it. Like they're, they, they're carrying a long stick and they've got him hanging from it. It's how the Ewoks carried the guys that they captured in return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the friends come out and like, challenge these guys and then they they drop him and he manages to get free and beats one of the guys that was kidnapping him to death and you're like okay and then there's another character that's gone missing and so he's like look they killed her and they were gonna kill me i had no choice but to do that And his friends are like okay with it and then the girl comes out of the woods and they're like what she's still alive that means you killed that guy for no good reason and now they're mad at him for killing the guy and i'm like well they were still carrying him in a manner that implied they might cook him over a fire (laughs) and he got free and and, like killed one of them i'm like i don't understand why you're turning on him like you're almost saying like revenge is a better motivation than self-defense which is a really weird thing to say to somebody I, i i found that very confusing but then worse than that it's like they play up this whole scene when they finally get captured by this like colony of people they put the guy on fucking trial for murder because they're like, oh, those guys just found you in one of their traps, and they were trying to carry you back down the mountain, and you broke free and killed one of them. And I'm like, what? Like, what is going on? Like, no. No, I don't buy any of that. And it's, it's a lot of it is like this really inconsistent thing where like, oh, they wear these like animal masks and carry people like on these sticks and stuff. But also they have a civil society where they have a trial system. And then it's like, and then also they have this like prison where they're going to put the people, but the one girl's like able to convince the head judge guy, like, no, make me someone's wife so I can help you um, repopulate your group. And that way, rather than putting me in prison and it's like, well, wait a minute, what, like, what is it? Are they these brutal killers or are they this civil society that there's been a misunderstanding with? Make up your mind. Like <laughs> it's all kind of frustrating. Um, and then, yeah. And then I don't know. And you've got this whole like subplot where, the girl's dad, which is a Matthew Bodine, is like trying to track them down. And I found that all quite annoying. And again, a lot of inconsistencies where some of the townsfolks are like totally willing to help him in one scene, but previously they were absolutely not willing to help. And it's like, well, what, again, which is it? Are these town folks, you know, protecting him from this group or are they eager to help him get his kid back from this group? Like, which is it? You know, make up your mind. So. I started out with it like being annoyed that it wasn't enough like the original, but I'd like settled into like, okay, it's just going to be its own thing. And then I kind of settled on its own thing. Isn't very good, but yeah, I didn't even bother with that one. 
Yeah. Well, I, 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 I really like the first wrong turn, turn film. It's just like a, mm-hmm. and then the sequels, I've seen them all. They, they sure are direct video sequels to wrong turn. Like you can't deny that. She's pretty good. Yeah. Like, I don't think I hated any of them. There's like just degrees of, and they're, and they're, you know, it's diminishing returns. It's multiplicity, right? So, um, I'm like, whatever it's, I, I can live with them all. I've seen them all once. I probably won't see most of them ever again, but I had fun each time I watched one. So here I was just like, I don't know. I was, I was annoyed that it wasn't like the original. And then I'm like, okay, if it's a completely different thing, maybe I can appreciate it on a different level. And then I'm like, no, now it's just kind of poorly made, though. And so probably not a recommend. So would you rather they just make a wrong turn seven? Is that where they were at? I, I believe you're correct. And yeah, I'd, I'd take a seven. Or I'd even take, like, you could you could do an actual remake of wrong turn. I mean, why not, right? Like, I don't, I don't think that film is like, you know, it's not like, oh, they're going to remake The Exorcist. You know what I mean? Like, it's not some piece of high art. If they want to remake Wrong Turn, it's just like a different group of people go down the wrong road and a different group of people get chased through the woods. I'm fine with it. So, but yeah, all in all, I, I don't necessarily recommend Wrong Turn from 2021, but I don't think anybody actually saw it except me. So it's not really an issue. I don't think anybody's like on the fence about it. And that is, other than The Iron Claw, that's about it. I've been making my way through Follow the House of Usher. But I haven't Ooh, finished yeah. it. Oh, that's good. It's good. It's extremely well made. I probably shouldn't have watched it like over the Christmas break when, like, in my extra time. <laughs> I probably yeah. should have done it when I was like in more of a mood for it. Um, but I'm hoping to at least temporarily cancel Netflix, so I wanted to get it done first. Yeah. Um, I spread it out over like a week and a half. Yeah, see, it's been at least that long for me, and I'm not done yet. I think I have three to go. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, there's elements of it that are really good. I will say part part of the problem, maybe I shouldn't have been watching it on the holidays, is keeping up with the storyline and all the family relations is a little bit difficult. But I think if I was more in the mood to sit and pay attention to it, that might not be a problem. Probably. I think if you're a huge Edgar Allan Poe fan, there's probably a bunch of stuff that I'm not noticing in this. That oh, like, yeah. It's like just like the sheer number of things I am noticing as somebody who's not like deep into Poe. I'm like, there must be more that I'm just not noticing. <laughs> I like that there's like different elements of different stories just embedded in this one long tale that they've decided to tell. I was going to say, literally the name of every single character in every single scene is a reference yeah. to something. That's what I figured. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I, again, I'm picking up on enough that I'm like, okay, there's a lot of them here. I bet you somebody who like routinely reads Poe is picking up on more, which is good. It's amazing how he's able to weave all these post stories together and have it yeah. work as well as it does. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, if you took this same thing and put it in anyone else's hands, it'd be an utter failure. Yeah, it'd yeah. be annoying, but they didn't. They gave it to Mike Flanagan, so he's he's proven himself at this point. You can't really argue that. So. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, yeah, extremely well made, a little difficult to follow. I'll let you know if I like the ending or not. The horror elements of it are really well done. Like, mm. I guess minor spoiler could put at the end of episode two when there's like that acid bath that falls on a party of people. <laughs> Man, I was so excited. <laughs> so fucked up. So, um, but yeah, other, then we'll talk about the Iron Claw after, I think. 
But mm-hmm. I mean, if anybody's not planning on listening to our detailed discussion, it's great. Um, yes, go see I it. Just, yeah. I only have one complaint, okay. and that's I, I don't I don't like the person they got to play Ric Flair. I actually agree with you. Uh, it's almost everyone else is either good or they're background enough that they're it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's the Ric Flair is the only guy that I think wasn't. Yeah, well done. He's a big enough caricature. It should be easy to do an impression of him. It should the be actor easy. To, doesn't even try. Yeah, it should be easy to find an actor that can do a Ric Flair impression. Hi, hi guys. I am the Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yeah, kinda. Um, <laughs> it's, well, what's interesting is like I know for a fact that they asked Flair to consult on the film, and he, for whatever reason, couldn't. It was like scheduling conflict type stuff, and so I wonder if. If they could have gotten him involved, would he have been able to help this guy more, or whether? Yeah, I don't know. He didn't just be didn't have the cadence him. down, didn't have the swagger down. No, it was just. Not no, I agree, and it's like even like I, I would definitely recommend this movie to non wrestling fans, um, mm-hmm. and even non wrestling fans know who Ric Flair is, so you're going to notice that it's not. Yeah, <laughs> he is the wheeling dealing kiss stealing guy. Woo. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, let's see. I watched a couple Christmas movies. Um, Cindy and her daughters came over. We watched Ernest Saves Christmas because I love Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah. You know, there is no because when you do that. It's just a yeah. thing. Just Ernest Saves Christmas. At least you watch it uh, at Christmas time. It's true. Unlike Easter. Uh, then they wanted to watch the Jim Carrey, how the Grinch stole Christmas, which I have not watched probably since it came out. Um, was kind of funnier than I remember it being. Yeah. I think I, for people of our age group, some, a lot of people look down on that one because it was the first to try to make it through the first remake. But mm-hmm. I also think that there would be a, it, it, it's better made than people remember it. Yeah. So I enjoyed it. Um, heard on some podcast that people were like this guy was he's cycling in in and out different christmas movies every year which may be a good trend where yeah you don't watch the same one year after year well there's too many good ones at this point yeah so maybe that'll throw it in the rotation i'll watch it again in a couple years we'll see uh and then the other christmas movie i watched is dark angel with dolph lundgren Okay. It's first time watch. For, it's a first time watch for me. I don't know that one. Um, you should watch it, Doug, because it's Dolph Lundgren who is a cop who has to fight an alien during Christmas time. Uh, is right. this old <laughs> Dolph Lundgren or young Dolph Lundgren? This is like 1990 Dolph Lundgren. That's yeah. That's Punisher Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The movie's pretty good. It's got some cheesy moments, but. Yeah, there's, there's an alien that shows up and is killing people. Dolph Lundgren has to figure out what's going on, why, you know, typical 1890 hey. type stuff. And he's trying to find out where this alien is and why he's here and why is he killing people. Um, if nothing else, just watch it for the beginning part of it. Because Dolph Lundgren, like, he's like sort of doing it like he's, he's, um, He's the car guy for like a, an informant that has like a, uh, is wired and he's at a meeting with like a mobster. And so he's sitting in the car listening and then, uh, right, like right next to him, a convenience store starts being robbed and he's like, fuck, 
I got to go in and stop this stupid convenience store being robbed. So, of course, he goes in. And, of course, while he's doing that, the guy that's wired up gets found out by the mob and is killed. Because why not? But Dolph Lundgren runs into this store, does this spin kick, and hits this guy in the face. And I was like, whoa, that's a fucking awesome kick. That looked so cool. And then I watched the special features, and it's like, oh, yeah, the actor completely missed his mark. And uh, Dolph Lundgren actually kicked him in the face and knocked him out. What are you gonna do? I was like, sweet. That's why it looked so good. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's completely ridiculous and it's very nineteen ninety and it's I don't know. It's set during Christmas time. Doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the actual story, but we use that excuse to watch other stuff, so why not Dark Angel? No. See that give you my reasoning for not having to wait too. Because I kinda wanna watch it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of fun. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then, uh, so after that, I watched Charles Bronson movie called messenger of death. I wonder Um, what it's about. So I, (laughs) I was like, man, I should find something to watch. And I was looking through my DVDs friend of mine, a couple, like six months ago, he's like, Hey, I was in an estate sale and they had a bunch of DVDs and they sold me the whole lot of them for a dollar nice so he's like so look through here and see if there's anything you want you can just have them and i'm like okay so i look through there's charles bronson movie which is enough for me to go i'll take it it's free and so i watched so i so i put it in i watched it and i'm like i wonder if this is gonna be any good first thing that pops up on the screen is the canon logo and so i'm like okay well off to a good start already um surprisingly charles bronson's not a cop but he is a crime journalist oh (laughs) (laughs) so he hangs out with a cop nobody strikes you as well read and good with the (laughs) english language than charles bronson (laughs) uh so he uh he finds out because the movie opens with this pretty hardcore like scene where these dudes pull up on a truck on this house and there's a bunch of little kids and stuff Kids run inside like the weird dudes outside, and uh, the mom inside is like, "Oh no!" And then like, here takes all the children upstairs, puts them in a bedroom, and is like, "Don't come out at all." And her and then some of the other like I don't know, a couple other women that are there come down, and these dudes just start blowing people away with shotguns. And I was like, "Fuck, man, they aren't fucking around." And then the dudes go upstairs, open the door to the bedroom, and just unload on a group of children. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck is happening? So uh, Charles Bronson finds out about it and then uh, is hanging out with his cop friends while he's investigating it and gets drawn in trying to figure out who it was that killed this family and why. And it turns out there was some weird religious angle. The family split because, uh, you know, like someone's brother wanted to go to the more hardcore extreme version of Christianity and this other family didn't. And so, yeah, it just goes back and forth. Charles Bronson doing Charles Bronson shit. But, yeah, it's, uh, like, the opening scene is fucked up, like I just said. And then uh, the rest of it's kind of uh, sort of family versus family stuff, which is still somewhat interesting. So it's also on Amazon Prime, if anybody wants to watch it. It sounds like it's just, yeah, if you like Charles Bronson movies, you'll like it. Yeah. Um... Let's see. I watched uh, Saw X again. Me and Cindy were watching movies on New Year's Eve, and she hadn't seen it yet, so we watched that. Still enjoyed it. Apparently, they're making a Saw 11, so we'll 
See how that goes. Um, and then I watched Totally Killer. Okay. Which is a time travel horror comedy movie. And? Um, I thought it was really good, which okay. is, I didn't think I would from the watching the trailer and stuff. But it's got uh, Karen Shipka, the girl that played Sabrina on the new Netflix Sabrina series. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. So she, I don't know if she's a good actress or not. Yeah, she was in Mad Men and stuff. Um, oh, okay. I haven't seen uh, that either. No. Well, she's been in lots of stuff. Um, so she uh, she's doing her typical teenager stuff where I don't care what any my parents tell me. I just do whatever. Um, we learned that her mom was a survivor of some like slasher scenario from like the eighties where he killed like her three best friends or whatever, but she just happened to to escape and not be killed. I think that's that's a fun thing to explore the idea of like Survivor Girl thirty yep. years later. Um, so she's like overly protective of her daughter, and of course her daughter's just like, you know, the mom's like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know if I want you to go out. And her daughter's her daughter makes a good point where she's like, mom, she's like, you can track me on your on my phone where I'm at at all times. You've taught me self defense since I was like seven. I have pepper spray. I have a rape like. Uh, fuck are those like um not a whistle but like the you hit the button and it's like so obnoxiously like loud that it hurts your ears yeah. yeah and she's like i have all of this stuff like i'll be fine and then you know her mom still isn't happy but whatever um turns out while she's gone uh someone comes to the house and kills her mom because the slasher has returned and he wears this really fucked up weird looking like johnny bravo type of mask which makes no sense whatsoever, but sure. Um, and she runs in. There's a bunch of shit in this movie that you just kind of have to go. Oh, okay. Like for some reason they're having the schools having their science fair at the rundown amusement park. That's where you would do it. I mean, sure. That's obvious. Um, and this one girl is trying to make a time machine because why wouldn't you? It's a science fair. Yeah. Out of a photo booth. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And so she's the, the slasher is, is running after the teenage girl. And then, you know, she runs into the photo booth and he stabs something and fucks it up enough that it actually starts working. And then she ends up back in 1985 and she knows like the slasher is about to come and kill all of her mom's friends and stuff. And she has to figure out a way to keep her, keep her mom from getting killed. Um, that, you know, if they figure out who the slasher is in the eighties, then he will have never killed her mom in the, 2023 or whatever it makes sense sure so the funny part of it is is a teenager from 2023 going back to the 80s and realizing how terrible everything was (laughs) Uh, like she shows up at her high school and the school mascot is the uh the red devils like in 2023 and it's like a little you know devil mascot with the pitchfork and stuff and she shows up and she's like oh there's the racism I was looking for and the mascot is the red devils and it straight up looks like the Cleveland Indians logo. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, she like walks into the school office and she's like, hi, I'm the new Canadian exchange student. And the lady's there reading her book and she's like, yeah, okay, here's your class schedule. She's like, oh, you don't want to check my ID or she's like, no, I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's accurate <laughs> and so 
And later she's looking for a specific person, goes back to the office and is just like, Hey, I know you, you're not really supposed to tell me, but can you tell me what class so-and-so is currently in? And, and the lady's just like, Oh, she's in uh, biochem 401. And she's just like, Oh, so basically you'll just, you'll just tell me anything, huh? She's like, the eighties is weird. It is funny um, to think about. Yeah. That would have happened back then. Yeah, totally. Uh, so it's just her dealing with all this shit. And then she goes to gym class and they're playing fucking dodgeball, <laughs> but it's with those fucking like rubber actual balls. Yep. She gets hit in the face like five times in a row. And it's just blood gushing out of her nose. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? And her gym teacher consoles her by going, Hey, next time try and catch the ball. That'll stop it from hitting you in the face. And that's like the extent of care she gets afterwards. Accurate. So, like, all that stuff is a lot of fun. Just watching somebody who is not accustomed to how things were in the 80s since we actually lived through most of it. And just watching them being like, what the fuck is up with this world? Um, you know, and then it's got slasher stuff and, you know, that's always fun and stuff. So, they reference Back to the Future like 20 billion times. So, they know exactly what they're doing. Okay. So, you know, it just tries to have fun with it, which I enjoy. They're not trying to be super serious about anything so it's just like a really fun movie so if you're just looking for something to have fun with uh, it'd be a big recommend for me i had a great time watching it but i'm also a sucker for time travel movies and slasher movies so this one was like totally made for me yeah yeah everyone who's listening has to take that with a grain of salt for the fact that they made that movie (laughs) specifically for you which is fine because i was i saw the trailer and i'm like eh, it looks all right i guess but we watched it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this movie was great. I loved it. Um, and then the last thing I saw, I watched uh, the Jennifer Lawrence movie No Hard Feelings, the super R-rated comedy that she just did. Yeah. And it's fun. It's fine. That's it. I, kinda, I do kind of miss those kind of, like, R-rated, like, 80s comedies and stuff. We're, we're, we're experiencing a drudge of R-rated comedies, but the problem is the ones that are coming out, the few that do make it out, I'm like, ah, they don't look very good, including that one. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's all right. Like, I thought it was good. It's definitely earns its R rating. She fights three people on a beach completely naked. So, sure, why not? Um, I don't know. Matthew Broderick's pretty good in it. I did not know he was in that. He plays... So he plays the dad of this kid that they're trying to get someone for him to date because he's really awkward and doesn't do anything. Like, he just hangs out in his room all the time. They don't want him to be that introverted when he goes to college. So they're trying to hire someone to date him without him knowing. And they offer to buy her a car, which she desperately needs. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. He's funny. The movie's fun. I had, I had a good time watching it, but yeah, it's, it's nothing. Just just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she full on, like there's interviews with her. She's like, no, I totally just wanted to do a completely R rated comedy. Because I thought it would be fun, and I thought the script was hilarious. So I was like, "All right, is she good in it?" Yeah, she's fine. She's perfectly fantastic. She uh, <laughs> the the ad calls for somebody who's in their like uh, early twenties, and her friends just look at her and they're like, "Well," she's like, "Come on, I can pass for early 20s and They're like, "Not really." Um. So, and this kid's like nineteen, I guess. Although I don't know how, how are you nineteen? You're still in high school. I don't know. It doesn't matter. When I went to high school, they had, it was five years of high school. So a lot of people. Oh, out. really? Yeah. Oh, we only have four down here. Um, so I don't know. There's moments where 
she's at some high school party and she's just being sort of like uh really harsh and just kind of a bitch to people because they're all teenagers and are obnoxious. And so they all start whipping out their phones and recording or saying shit. And she's like, why is everybody recording me? And they're like, Oh my God, you're awful. You're terrible. And she's just like, fuck all of you. Yeah. So that typical, like, it feels like a very typical joke though. Yeah. It's totally. me worried that it's going to be a lot of typical jokes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Watch it. Don't, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Fair enough. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, Doug, you said you weren't picking trauma movies for next week, but what are we watching? Um, well, I don't know. Somebody mentioned Kevin Smith earlier, and I got excited. So looks oh. like Tusk and Red State are on the list together, and I don't see why we shouldn't do those. I believe you mentioned Kevin Smith earlier. No, oh, no, it, it was me. Oh. You're I right. might have I you're might right. have as well. <clears throat> Noah, yeah, it was Noah. You're you're correct. There was So we're gonna watch his his two quote unquote horror films. Yeah, neither of them would I say are actually a horror film. But <laughs> uh I'm a fan of both. I think you guys will like one of them. I like both yeah. of them. So Okay. <clears throat> I haven't I seen either of them. Well, there mm. you go. Should be interesting. Might end up discussing yoga hosers next week too, because when I watch Tusk, it might be difficult for me to not watch yoga hosers after. So, <laughs> yeah. So Noah's going to get plenty of uh, Johnny Depp, Boo, and John Goodman. Yay! <laughs> um, my problem with Johnny Depp usually revolves around uh, Johnny Depp's relationship to fucking uh, Tim Burton. Yeah. Okay. It is not John, a, Johnny Depp is a good actor. He just, whenever fucking him and Tim Burton get together, he plays the same stupid fucking oh. character. Oh, you want to be a good actor? That's not really what he does here. <laughs> You'll see. Yeah, He makes choices, that's for sure. He sure does. <clears throat> Including, fun, fun fact, he instructed the makeup person to uh, put a little dick on his nose. In the makeup chair, so watch for that when you're watching the film. Yeah, that's great. I've watched Kevin Smith talk about that multiple times. It's just funny. Yeah. He's just sitting there trying to have a conversation with Johnny Depp about the character or whatever. Johnny Depp just keeps looking at himself in the mirror, turning his head back and forth, and then looks at Kevin Smith, and he's like, doesn't this look like a dick? (laughs) Kevin Smith's just like, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess so, yeah. Can I put like a vein going through it? Because that'd be funny. And he's like, yeah, sure. Do whatever you want. I don't care. <clears throat> yeah, one of those guys was doing the other one a favor showing up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think he's saying no to him. Kevin Smith has said that many times. One of us was doing the other one a favor, and it definitely wasn't me. Yeah. Wasn't Johnny Depp looking for work? <laughs> uh, seems like I was going to bring up something end of the show and i completely forgot what it was i don't know feedback we don't have any feedback doctor who wasn't doctor who related i did watch the christmas special though it was good yeah it was all right like like i said it's interesting that uh the new doctor is like sexy doctor i guess oh yeah yeah which is a little odd that's a new that's a new thing Mm -hmm. yeah And, and he's friendly doctor which is also kind of a new thing yeah, Matt Smith was kind of friendly. Yeah, but like he still had that. 
where he was friendly, but he was only friendly because he was enjoying himself. Like, you know what I mean? He still had that weird edge where he would get pissy all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. yeah. If somebody didn't do exactly what he wanted. But Cootie's Cootie's doctor seems to be, uh, I I don't know, just just unabashedly kind to people, which is just really strange. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm curious how diehard Whovians feel about him, because I'm sure they are not happy with a lot of it, but... I don't uh, travel in a lot of those social media circles, so I haven't heard anything. I don't. I haven't seen people bitching about him yet, but I'm sure. I'm. I'm sure the real pushback is going to come from the anti-Disney people now that Doctor Who is firmly in the Disney camp. Yeah, listen, those people are going to show up for everything. So, hmm. all right. Well, no, you want to hop off here so we can talk about the Iron Claw? Sure. Have a good well, one, guys. Yeah. Okay. Oh, did you have something else, Doug? Well, is is no gone? Not yet. I thought you watched that new Zack Snyder thing on Netflix. <laughs> no, Moon? yeah, yeah, Rubble Moon. I've man, it's been a long time since we've recorded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was it was fine. It's Zack Snydery. It's too dark. It's lots of unnecessary slow mo. Can you make up your mind? Was it fine or was it Zack Snydery? Make up your like <laughs> contradicting yourself. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, like, it wasn't, it's, I'm not, like, saying it's a complete pile of trash and it's unwatchable or something, but I personally didn't think it was very well done. I went into it being told that this is Zack Snyder's take on uh, Star Wars, and really it's Zack Snyder's take on Warhammer 40k, yeah. which is fine, but there's a Warhammer 40k show coming out that I'm way more excited for. But yeah, did you did you watch it yet, Doug? No, I have no intentions of watching. There's, it. I was just hoping you were upset about it. Yeah, no, not that upset. But I'll tell you what: if you watch it, you will be because there is so much goddamn unnecessary slow motion in that. Listen, you know how I feel about slow motions. Like it's every fucking fight scene. Every fight scene's in slow mo. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, because you want your thing to be as long as possible. That's people always say it with action movies: make them as long as possible. So. To stretch out those fight scenes unnecessarily. Yeah, I dumped Netflix. I, I still want to watch it, but I don't have Netflix anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I'm, the I'm other not getting were, it back just for that. It, it was like Zack Snyder was like, you know what Star Wars is missing? Like, what if there's a rape scene right at the beginning? Like, what if we? What if we? What if that's the thing we put in here? Isn't it like the story is it started out as like a spec script for his own version of like his own Star Wars movie? Correct. Well, Supposedly he, was, he pitched it to Lucas and Lucas didn't yeah. know. Okay. Well, that's not what I heard. I heard that he he pitched it to Lucas and he was working on it and then Disney bought Lucasfilm and then it was shelved completely because of that. Okay. And then he just took it back and either way it's turned like, it to his own thing. Yeah, like it was actually intended as a Star Wars project, is I guess the point. Yeah. Which is weird that he's still allowed to make it as something else. I don't know. Well, I mean, there's no Star Wars left in it at all. So, I mean, other than the fact that there are space Nazis, but there are space Nazis in literally every sci-fi thing. That's not specific to Star Wars. Yeah. And the aesthetic, like I said, do you guys know anything about 40K? Have you ever like played it or seen anything? I know Henry Cavill is a big fan. Yeah. It's got the, the aesthetics of the, the bad guys. 
is very much 40k they're these big very um industrial but like cathedral-esque star destroyer ships and they're all dressed kind of like world war ii uh soldiers in a weird way you know it crossed with romans you know that kind of stuff like Mm -hmm. it's got a very specific aesthetic to it that is very present in this movie Mm. but yeah yeah i've my my thing is is if you don't like Zack snyder you probably shouldn't watch this because it's going to be exactly what you think it is yeah i'm I'm not gonna watch it i didn't mind his army of the dead movie i'd already given up on him before that came out so (laughs) i haven't seen it yeah but dave batista though yeah I'm see. I'm okay when it's Zack Snyder doing somebody else's shit. Does that make sense? Like Zack Snyder is a good cinematographer. He's just yeah. a shit director. I enjoyed his uh, Dawn of the Dead and Watchmen. I never really liked anything else though. Dawn of the Dead is, in my view, like, it's a guilty pleasure film more than a good movie, though. You know what I mean? Like it's not. If you go in and you, you look at it and you're like, it's got that stuff where like characters are just like change magically on a dime, depending on how they need to behave in that scene. And there's a lot of like, like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a zombie baby? Yeah. Let's just do that. And it's like, well, then what? I don't know. We just did it. That's it's over now. Just move on. I think it's there's just a lot of that shit. I'd say that's more of a James Gunn problem. Mm, I don't know. The director is in charge of the movie. Yeah. But James Gunn wrote it. Yeah. Director can choose which scenes go in, can ask for things to be added. All right. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah. All right. Get the fuck out of here, Noah. All right. Deuces. All right. Should we say going in, this is going to be spoilerific? Because I feel like we need to talk about the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's a relatively close retelling of the true story. So. Kind of hard to spoil a true story. And second of all, yeah, I mean, I don't think we can discuss the Iron Claw without discussing yeah. all if the details. You, if you don't know the true story of the Von Eriks, I would say go watch the movie. It's definitely worth watching. Yeah, and then um, come back. But, like, I'm assuming you really liked this movie. Right? I really enjoyed it. Okay, it was yeah. great. Um, I heard something on a podcast today. Podcast called "F This Movie." And he mentioned, because they were going over their top 10 list of the year or whatever. Right. They're one of the shows that do stuff like that. He's like, there's been a lot of emotional stuff, you know, throughout, like, that have been released this year. A lot of emotional moments in movies. He's like, by far, I think the most emotional thing I've seen on screen is when Zac Efron says, I used to be a brother. And just how that whole scene breaks yeah. down at the end of the movie. And that, like, yeah. oh, fuck, he's right. Yeah, that moment where, like, the tragedy of this film, for all of the individual tragedies that make up for the tragedy of this film that I think captures beautifully is the idea of this one surviving member of this family. Hmm. But the most important thing in the world to him was his brothers. And now yeah. he'll, no matter, like, we talked, we, we tried to tell him that there's a happy ending, and kind of. <laughs> but um, yeah. the idea that, the most important thing to you in the world is your brothers and there's fucking so many of them. And then they're all gone by the end. Yeah. And you're just like, I can't, I can't like, and this movie didn't even have all the actual brothers in it. Yeah. I remember that I got home and left one out. I'm like, I'm like, everything felt a little bit compressed. Like Mm -hmm. something's missing. 
And so I come home and I like do a quick Google and I'm like, right. The other Von Eric brother that also yeah. killed himself. They edited it like a whole suicide out of this movie because you didn't want it to be 20 minutes longer yeah. and have one more person shoot themselves on screen. Yeah. The director said it was one tragedy too many. For the yeah. Movie. Yeah. And it's, I narratively, I agree. Like it's, there's only so much you can take. I do feel like if you know the true story, you start, it does feel like things are happening too close together because they took mm-hmm. that character out and his little arc out. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm okay with that from a filmmaking perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, even interviews with the, the living Von Eric, he said, like, Kevin, yeah. Kevin, yeah, like they've said, he said like, yeah, they did a good job of merging the story of the two brothers, the two that are kind of the closest together anyway. Um, and just kind of telling those stories as one for the purposes of this. And he understands why they had to do it and stuff. So mm-hmm. they did it respectfully, even though he took a, a human being out of a true story. Yeah. I'd heard the only note he had before they made the movie was just express how, how much me and my brothers loved each other. Yeah. And that's as long as you get that right, that everything else will. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's obviously that's like, we've already said, that's the primary focus of the movie is the relationship yeah. between these brothers. But knowing that that's what was so important to him just makes the impact. Like you realize the impact of the true story is similar to the impact of mm-hmm. the film. Yeah. Cause they definitely, they make the dad out. And even, I think I've heard Kevin Von Eric said they maybe made him a little too harsh for the movie, but I don't know. If uh, I agree. Just so we're uh, the, the, uh, the dad, they made him kind of a harsh figure. Yeah. So whenever the brothers were dealing with him, it was a lot of yes, sir, no, sir type yeah. of stuff. But then when you see the brothers like by themselves, like you see them as like their true selves, like just how much they care about each other yeah. and stuff to the point where the youngest one is interested in music, not really interested in wrestling. And he has like a gig. He's going to go, he got hired to play. And his mom is like, no, no, like you can't go. You're too young to be going to a, cause it was on a college campus. And they're like, oh, we could take them. And she's like, nope, 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 not happening. And they're like, okay. And then cut to all of them sneaking out of the house together. Yeah. So they could take him to play this gig and stuff. And I'm like, that really shows how much all these characters cared about each other and stuff. And I think they did an excellent job. Yeah. That, showing that kind of stuff. That scene in particular, it is one of those things like, while it's happening, cause it's kind of played for laughs a little bit. Cause they're all trying to sneak out of the house. And the one guy's got his mm-hmm. girlfriend waiting in the car and stuff. Um, you know, and all that's happening, and then it immediately cuts to them playing at a party, and the, and the brothers are not sitting around watching him play. They're all mm-hmm. like enjoying the party, doing keg stands and shit, right? Yeah. And so it's it's kind of played for fun that way. But at like you're watching it, thinking like, imagine three older brothers getting together to help their youngest brother sneak out of the house, so the youngest brother could live his dream. Yeah. Not not because like it's not a fuck you to the parents type moment at all. Mm-hmm. it's not a uh it's not them wanting to be there necessarily like they're just getting him there because he wants to be there and it, it is yeah. touching in a weird way and it's it does a good job of kind of capturing like male relationships too where it's like none of them say it none of them do it like they they, they all agree that they're going to be doing this nobody there's no moment where two of them are talking and go oh yeah by the way we should uh probably help him live his dream because that's important to all of us that we each achieve our goals like you know what you know what i mean yeah it, yeah. it feels very real and I yeah like that. it's not even that. yeah like you said not even a discussion not even a question it's just well of course we're gonna help him sneak out of the house to go play this gig of course we are like that's yeah. not even 
it's not even something that they even had to like make a plan. It was just, I'm sure they all just got up at the same time. And we're like, okay, well, here we go. Climbing out the window. Yep. Yeah. It, it, so like, I don't know I, that moment to me really worked well. And it's, it's a kind of throwaway moment if you're not paying attention to the movie, but I thought mm-hmm. it was important. Yeah. Um, again, all establishing that relationship between those characters um, is it's key to making an impact as each one of them gradually passes away in all these mm-hmm. different terrible ways. Um, yeah. And it, it's interesting because they show the relationship and obviously there's some competition between them all, but it's enough. Like none of them are ever like shitty to each other about anything. No. Um, some people feel like, Oh, I thought I was supposed to get this moment, but my brother's going to get it. So I'm going to be sad for myself for like this second. And now I turn my attention to helping my brother out as much as I possibly can. No, I, and so I I just thought that the relationship between all of them that way, where there wasn't one brother who was an asshole and everybody was like, Oh, fuck that guy. And you know, they have to come back together at the end or something like that. Story arc is not really there. No, no, Carrie obviously has some, some issues, but that more goes into his character and is less about his relationship being strained with his brothers or anything. You know, the, the, it's, it's constant throughout the film that these guys just stick together. And, and like you say, the, the moments where one of them thinks he's going to win the championship and it gets passed on to another brother, hmm. it doesn't, it, it, they do it in a way where it's like, there's professional competition between them but it doesn't affect their personal relationship at all. Even the one moment where um, one of the brothers is cutting a promo and the other brother, I, I'm never going to use the names cause I'm going to mess them up. If I do that. <laughs> but one brother, one brother's cutting a promo and the other brother jumps in and takes over and does a, a great job. And that boosts him up in the, the likelihood of being able to go on for belts and all that. Um, and it's like, okay, they did a great job of, Oh, well, you kind of cut me off there. And he's like, oh, I just was doing what was right in the moment, man. And it's like, yeah, everybody moves on. Like, there's n- that, again, there's no tension between those brothers, even though one is surpassing the other. Mm. Um, fantastic stuff, really. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, one of the things I really liked about the movie, too, is it's shot from Carrie Von Eric's perspective almost entirely, which means Kevin? it's Kevin, sorry. Not Gary. See, this is why I'm not using the names. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Efron. Yeah, Kevin. So it's he's the main character. He's the point of view character. And they stick by that so strictly. And I thought it was really well done because everything takes place in this like Texas town mm-hmm. to the extent where when guys go off on tour to do their their gigs, they're just gone. They're just not in the movie for a while. Yeah. Including um, the one brother that dies over in Japan after like it's in in movie context it's like they have the Zac Efron character gets married his brother goes off to Japan to wrestle and dies over there and Zac Efron's got this guilt because he knew he was sick and let him travel anyway kind of thing um but we don't see his death we don't hear anything about his death we don't know like we're, we get nothing we get a phone call right <laughs> and yeah. it's like i i think for the purposes of the film the storytelling having it set from the survivor's perspective so that we are experiencing these losses the same way he did is really, really interesting. And it really helps with the impact of this because, you know, there is a difference between in one case, finding your brother's body and in another case, your brother dying 
in another country. Like those are different experiences and they all feel different in the movie, which yeah. is important. Yeah. It, um, it's interesting how some of the stuff plays out like the, you know, like you said, the, uh, David one dies in Japan and, um, they, so they start working on the younger one to get him in. Yeah. Well, that, that goes definitely, to, to what we were saying before about how all those brothers just like jumped out the window to whatever, to like get him to his gig. When yeah. a brother dies, he just gives up on his music goals. Family needs yeah. me in the ring. I'm now going to become a wrestler. And, you know, yeah. like there's some lines of dialogue about how he's kind of a little bit too small and stuff. Um, and mm. they're like, yeah, but none of that matters. This, that's what this family needs from you right now. You get in there and you help your brothers. Um, yeah. And it's, very much portrayed that he's not doing it for his dad. He's doing this for his brothers. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Cause him, the relationship between him and the dad is not great. No, no, they set it up really well with that dinner scene that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. He says, Oh, I have a gig. And his dad's like, this is not, you know, shouldn't look at something like that because you know, you should be looking at um, stuff you can make a living with. And he's like, Oh, but I'm getting paid for this. And that's still like, not a, Good enough, like reason it's, to do anything. It's such a weird perspective. Like, I think this is pretty accurate to the true story, but it's definitely in the movie. It's like the dad is just forcing all the kids to follow in his footsteps, and the idea that like a kid wants to go be a musician, and that's like a ridiculous goal. Like, you, know, you can't yeah. you can't do that. But make your living as a pro wrestler. That's the one that makes total <laughs> sense to pursue. You know what I mean? It'd be, it's, it'd be like if somebody was a musician and you're like, what you want to become a writer. That's ridiculous. Writing song lyrics. Now that's a job, but writing novels, that's silly. You know what I mean? It's, it's that close to being that level of insanity. And I'm just like, I can't, yeah. I couldn't comprehend it. Um, but it's very much that way. And even like, yeah. cause the, the Texas tornado, when he comes into the story, um, he's off doing a different athletic venture. And somehow that is acceptable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause he's, he's going to be an Olympian. He's supposed to be in the Olympian in, in the Olympics. But as soon as that fades out, it's like he's, it, it's portrayed as though he's back for like days and they're like, sorry, you didn't get to go to the Olympics. I guess you're a wrestler now. Get in the, you know what I mean? Get your <laughs> shit together. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, so, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It, intense storytelling, I would say, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, an interview with uh, uh, the guy that plays Carrie. Um, the guy from Shameless and the Bear. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know his name. It's like Jeremy White or something. Yeah, but he's got three names. He's, he's got three names. I don't, I don't remember what the middle one is. I'm, I'm looking it up. If we stall just a little longer, okay. it's Jeremy Allen White. Okay he was on Seth Meyers and they were talking about it. And uh, it's so funny because like, you know, he got the call like, Hey, you know, we have this movie. We think he'd be really good in it. And honestly, I feel like he's good casting. If you just sort of squint your eyes a little bit, just the um, face, yeah. he's, he, he's a good actor, but he's like, uh, okay, you know, let me, I don't, you know, I, I haven't watched wrestling in a, ever. So let me just, Google this, and then Seth Myers is like, "Then this is the picture you pulled up," and they show it, and it's like, you know, one a picture from when Texas Tornado was in WWF and stuff. So huge muscles, tall, you know, everything. And Seth Myers is like, "Yeah, that's a big guy." 
you're you're not very tall. And he's like, no, no, no. It's really funny in the movie, too, because he really stands out as being short because everybody else yeah. is like a lot taller than him. And it's, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, but I mean, yeah, if your suspension of disbelief is that one guy's a little too short for the role. Yeah. Because also but... I think Zac Efron is too big to be uh, Kevin. That's Butler. true. Like he's too giant and muscular and he, yeah. like when you see pictures of the actual brothers, they're all kind of the same size and it's really hard to cast good actors that all happen to be the same size, especially when you're looking for, you know, a certain type of muscular male, you know? Mm. Yeah. So I just thought that was hilarious. And I was just talking about it. Yeah, in the interview when he did, when he does the line of like, he's like, I can't play taller. Like I can get in shape, <laughs> but I can't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a little funny. But his performance um, is really good, and he has like he's given some yeah. challenging stuff to do when it comes to like because he he is one of the characters that goes away. He goes because in, yeah. in real life he joins WWF. We don't follow yeah. his character there. When he comes, I would back say I would say he's like, the most uh, he's the most successful of all of them because he does make it to WWF, which was a big deal at the time. I think yeah, financially um, he's probably the most successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I do like, I really like the scene when he comes home uh, for the holidays, but then they find out he's not going to stick around for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, all that. Um, and, uh, he played it really well. Like, he's he's playing that kind of broken person really, really yeah. well. Yeah, and you can tell there's something up with him. Like, he's obviously on something, yeah. on drugs or something. But there's never a moment where it's like, you know, oh, and then cut to him, a, a shot of him doing drugs or whatever. He's just acting off enough that you know they have his brother pulling him aside and be like hey are you okay and he's like yeah yeah i'm fine i'm fine yeah. but he's kind of manic and like all over the place and stuff and yeah yeah i thought that scene was great yeah really great stuff and he's got that girl with him and they're like what about that girl And he's like she's nobody like i just brought her here because you know what i mean yeah <laughs> and he yeah. like the uh, like the it's well written too i think like because there's that moment where he says like, he's not going to be around for Christmas and everybody starts to get upset. And he's like, I just need to go. I just need to rest. You know what I mean? Like, I just need to be like on a beach sitting still because I need that. And it's, it's all playing into what you're saying about the manic and all that. Like you start to really have sympathy for him. And you're like, yeah, like at this point in the story, he's like missing a foot. You know what I mean? He's like, he's missing a foot. He's still doing this. Has still managed to continue in this career that's obviously very physical. Gotten into the uh, to to like a very high level, and he's still feeling all this pressure, and it's causing him to like implode. And you know, when he eventually, when he eventually takes his own life, shoots himself, like you're like, yeah, like everyone should have seen this coming. And it's, it's the one moment where you see like the, the Zac Efron character, like trying to help him. And it's just, they don't know how, nor do most people yeah. know how. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they play on stuff with the dad and stuff too, where Zach, Zach Efron calls him and said, Hey, Carrie's got some stuff going on. I told him to come to the house or, you know, whatever. He's like, you need to watch him. And he's like, but I got chores to do. Yeah. And it's just, it's just that sort of like, Oh, he tells him like, you guys got to figure this out for yourself. Cause that's, you see that planted throughout the movie that he always makes the brothers like figure stuff out for themselves or whatever. Yeah. And you can tell like just the frustration on Zach Efron's character where he's just like, 
this is when we need your help. Like this is this is the moment we need you to this step is, up. Yeah, this is help where you, us. You need to be a dad, and you're not willing to do it. Um, yeah, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's it's harsh, and yeah, he, he's he's begging his dad like to help him save his brother's life, and his dad seems kind of uninterested or mm. refusing to under like intentionally blind to the idea that you could. Um, that this could get worse. Yeah. Because you know? the way the dad character is portrayed, he's really interesting. And the performance is outstanding. Again, all the performances are. Um, yeah. And it's that guy from Mindhunters. Yeah. Old something, something. Yeah. yeah he's great. Um, but he's, uh, the way the character is portrayed, it, what was I, my point was going to be like, he's, he's not interested in helping his kids. He's, you know, kind of absent even though he pushes them to yeah. be wrestlers it, and it's, stuff. It's very much he's doing it for he's living vicariously through them. Yeah. In that way. Um the way a lot of a lot of parents do, like push their kids into the same sport that they played so that their kids will get good at it so that they can kind of feel like they're winning again. And it becomes very much like that. And it's there's the moment where he's turned over the wrestling organization to uh Kevin and Kevin is like thinking of selling it because he's like, I've got this family living in this little apartment. Like I can't make a go of this wrestling thing. Like I'm thinking of, I want to sell it to, to Jerry Jarrett or whatever it is. And he's like, I want to, you know, and then I can buy like a, a home for my family and raise them. And he's got this dream of like, his dream was to own a ranch and for all of his brothers to come live with him. That was the that was the whole idea was he's like if I can if I can yeah. somehow buy this ranch and now he's at this point where he's like running out of brothers to come live with him and he has a chance to get part of that dream and his dad is like no like you don't sell the company you make a, you keep fighting you keep constantly doing this and he doesn't seem to care about the impact it's having on them mm. and like again dare yeah. I, dare I say I think that's pretty close to the true story from what I can tell so um, yeah. Like it's, you know, it's this, this single mindedness of this attitude of everything is about success in this particular industry and the hell with the fact that it's killing my family, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They do a good job of it sort of building up, you know, because Kevin becomes the default one to sort of take everything because everybody either starts dying or. Yeah. Like it's some, it's around. Point, he's the only one left, you know? Um, yeah. So they do a good job of it, sort of like you said, they plant all these things where he's like, yeah, well, I took over the business because I was the only one left who could. Um, and yeah, I want to sell it and stuff. And it's just like all this stuff. And then the dad won't help them. You know, hey, here he's having problems. He's going to be by the house. Just watch him. Oh, I got chores to do. I can't do that. Yeah. And then, you know, he shows up and then Carrie shoots himself. And they have that confrontation where he's like, all I told you to do was watch him. You couldn't even do that. And he literally just gets on top of him, starts choking him. Yeah. And I feel like it just, you watch it build up throughout the entire movie. And it finally has this like explosion. There was, when he was choking him, I was in the theater watching this and he's got him down and he's choking him and I'm rooting for him to kill the dad at this point, (laughs) Um, which is not, and like very rarely when you're watching a dramatic film, do you start rooting for one character to kill another character, you know what I mean? <laughs> especially yeah. when it's a true story. And that would be a clear violation of the actual outcome. Um, but I was like, man, I hate that dad so much. I just, I want like, I, I wanted him dead. 
I want the idea of a father character who cares so little about his children that he refuses to help them when they're like standing there. They're on like he, this like yeah. like Texas Tornado flew home from wherever the fuck right after he basically got released by WWF and came to your ranch and went into your house and got the gun off your shelf and went outside mm-hmm. and shot himself and you were told he's coming and he's fucked up and you just mm-hmm. didn't bother. I, I, I hate that guy. I hate that character, which is obviously the intended outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And then just that um, scene where Kevin picks him up and carries him into the house and lays him on the table. Yeah. And just sits with him. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very heartbreaking to watch it happen and to see, Mm -hmm. like you say, with the main character being Kevin and that's his, that's his last brother. And you're just like, like, I can't, I can't believe he doesn't have any brothers. Like you feel for him. Like the film is so well made where you're like, I just can't believe he doesn't have any brothers left. Like, I don't like, what's he going to do now? And that's when we get our sort of hopeful ending where we see him with his kids and that moment when his kids are like, I forget the exact line of dialogue, but it's something like they, like he's playing football with them and he's like, says something about being sad and they're like why and he's like well i was just thinking about losing my brothers and they're like we'll be your brother's daddy and i'm like oh fuck like (laughs) like, oh no i was i was completely balling yeah like that ending is just it's just crazy i mean you know and then even that like when the stupid like the written dialogue at the end of the movie when it said uh he built his ranch and everybody came to live with him and he gives a list of all the people that live on the ranch with him now. Right. And you know, that's like all of his kids, all of his kids, families, all of his grandchildren, all, they all live together. It's just like, Oh fuck. But it's like, it's this, he at least got his dream though. Kinda. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's still like, it's, it adds an element of hope to it. And you're like, look, this guy managed to survive this terrible story, but Mm -hmm. things worked out okay for him after the fact. Right. Yeah. Um, so, like yeah just, yeah just wow watching this movie i was like so caught up in it and it's like yeah the movie's great it's uh, fantastic yeah uh, it just really takes you on zach efron, journey zach efron did a great job everybody pretty much did a great uh, job i'm gonna look up his name because i want to be respectful but harris dickinson that guy to me stood out and what an accomplishment what to stand out in this crowd so he was david who, okay who, so yeah he was he, the he, first one to pass away yeah, yeah he went off and well technically the second one because technically did, the second one they, they didn't lose a brother off screen before the start of the story too but since yeah. and then yeah so so for anyone who's not familiar with the story it's like little kid dies older brothers grow up one of the brothers flies over to japan to wrestle dies over there another one's in an accident in a ring which the real story takes place in israel i don't know if they portrayed that properly in this but he never fully recovers ends up committing suicide after years of like yeah. drug well, addiction like hurt, and stuff hurt his shoulder and then during surgery or whatever his temperature got up to like 107 yeah and it just basically fried him. just like he had mental uh yeah. problems after that yeah, the mental problems which led to addiction and all that right yeah, yeah and they show him trying to play guitar and stuff and he can't do it he can't do it anymore so Real that all that stuff was really sad too. Like when he yeah. was, because there's that moment where they hold the press conference and he basically says like, "Don't worry, I'll get back yeah. in the ring." And you're like, you're looking at him, going like, "No one believes you. Like, there's no chance anyone believes you." Yeah. But there's and just I've, that desperation to do the thing that their dad wants yeah. him to do. And I've seen the real press conference, and yeah. it's just as heartbreaking. Oh no, it's 
I, after I watched the movie, I went back and watched some of that stuff, and it's like, yeah. a lot of it is like, yeah, there's a whole like it's really accurate, and that makes it harder to think about this movie now after the fact, yeah, right? But yeah, so like those two die, and then Gary Von Erich gets into his car accident, which I guess he was drinking which, and driving, which I didn't know. I found out before I watched the movie, but I didn't know he lost a foot. Because I remember watching him in WWF yeah. and enjoying him there and stuff. So then, like, you know, within the last couple months when I found out he didn't have a foot while he was doing all that, I was like, holy. Oh, God. yeah. No, I found that. A, I had no idea. I found. I remember that was like a rumor back in like the late 80s. And I, I remember thinking it couldn't be true back then. But then somewhere along the line, yeah. finding out it was. And it's like in the real Same. story, in the real story, like he, the foot made it through the accident. But then he tried to get back in the ring too quickly and it mm. couldn't heal right. And they had to remove it. Um, but he, uh, the way it's portrayed in the movie, like it plays on the fact that I knew what was coming a little bit, but the idea that he like, he's like, they see, they show him, they don't show him like acting hammered, but they show him with a beer in his hand. And he's talking about how he's wired. and He can't come down after winning this championship mm. belt. And then he, he's like, I'm going to go for a ride. And the brother is like, be careful. And you're like, oh, like, don't say that. That's a, that's a very like 1980s something way to tell yeah. somebody you're too drunk to drive. Like, don't <laughs> just take his yeah. keys. That's what you should do. But that's just not how it was back then. And then he hops on the motorcycle and they're doing that thing where they're, I always call it the lost highway shot where it's just like just the headlights on the road and they start wavering mm-hmm. a bit. And the next shot is him like with no fucking foot. And I'm like, oh, God damn. So dark, yeah. but. And, and, you know, that's one of the things they fudged because apparently this motorcycle accident happened like two years after he, he won the title. Yeah. They, they compressed the timeline a bit. Like if you, yeah, for sure. Like everything in this movie feels like it takes place over the course of like maybe two, three years. But if you look at it, like the death of David and the death of uh, Carrie are like a decade apart. Mm-hmm. Now, in the, also, there was one more suicide in the middle between those two things, so it's yeah. it's still yeah. like a lot, uh, but it do, it does feel a little compressed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's a flaw in the movie, and I I don't really think it's a flaw, but it it maybe feels like it's in too short of a time frame, and maybe they could use some time stamps or some more aging makeup yeah. or something to spread it out a bit more. Yeah. And the Ric Flair, man, the Ric Flair is not good. No, it's not. And I was just like, man, this guy's not good. And then I started seeing reports of fans were upset at how bad the Ric Flair portrayal was. I'm like, thank God, I'm not the only one. No, yeah, no. Because I I went and sat with a buddy of mine. Like, he didn't know the story as well as I did. So walking into the theater, he's just like, what the fuck is like, he's like, is that all real? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, uh, then he's like, that Ric Flair wasn't real though. I'm like, no, thank you for bringing that up. Like, it's like... <laughs> yeah, it's fucking weird. Cause if, if you told this story, nobody would believe it's real. Like this idea that all of these brothers came to this death and like that, this dad kept putting this pressure on them. Even after like two brothers have died, at least in part due to his pressure, he's still putting all this pressure on these other ones. He just doesn't care. And I really don't, I really think it's pretty accurate. Um, like even the recent interviews with Kevin Von Erich, where he, he tries to defend his dad. He doesn't say like, oh no, he was a loving father and this film gets it wrong. He says like, 
you know, this film portrays my dad really poorly, but you got to remember he was like a man of his word and his word was his bond and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, that's fine. Like he stuck to his business deals. Like I, I don't think anything in the film contradicts that, but imagine like you see a movie where effectively your dad pressures your brothers into killing themselves and your defense of him is, well, he was a man of his word. Like that's kind of admitting that the movie's right. Like in your attempt to say the movie's wrong. Yeah. They don't, uh, they don't bring up the fact that his wrestling character was a Nazi sympathizer either. Well, you know, let's wrestling. Wrestling is what wrestling is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, for sure. It's a, I don't know. I'm not sure what you're supposed to say about that. <laughs> what did you think of the scene? Since we're talking about wrestling, where the uh, where they had to like look in the camera and explain wrestling to the, the audience who might be watching this that are <laughs> drama film fans who don't understand wrestling, and he's like trying to explain like if you win a belt, that's like getting a promotion at work. Like it's yeah. like yeah, it's scripted. No one's arguing that it's real, but you understand like it's still important to us to win because winning is. Winning is like being rewarded for being good at what you do. I thought it was an interesting way to explain it to people who don't know how wrestling works. Yeah, I, so, I agree. Like, yeah. yeah it's like, like, yeah, it's all choreographed, but winning a belt is still important because it means you're doing a good job. And yeah, you're like you said, you're getting good promotion. Yeah. And that means the company believes in you. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought that was. I liked the way they explained it. I like, I've, I've tried to explain wrestling like that to people before too. Like when people are like back when I used to watch wrestling uh, regularly, I would try to explain to people why it mattered when you won and lost. And that's, that was the, kind of the explanation I used was like, it's like, it's like acknowledgement of your success and it's, uh, well, you know, you're going to get paid more. You're going to be the main event guy for a while and stuff. But um, it's, it's just funny to have him explaining it to the girl at the, well, they're at like a diner or whatever. Yeah. That's also the scene where I think they do a good job of establishing the Kevin Von Eric character because there's a moment where she's like, well, what do you want? And he kind of jokingly just says, I don't know, more ribs. Like, and she's like, no, what, <laughs> what do you want? And that's where he finally just like looks at her and like, look, looking into the camera, but looking at her and says, like, I just want to be with my brothers. And that's a really important mm-hmm. moment for that character. Um, yeah. both because it helps us understand him, but also because it makes the tragedy of losing his brothers so much worse. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This is uh, it's a tough watch. Still so good. Still I recommend for me to, to watch it, but oof, it's always a sad story. Like even when they did the dark side of the ring, it's always just like, yeah, God, the story is so upsetting. Oh, it's, I mean, I think I think it's important that people if like I wouldn't say you have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy this movie. I wouldn't say that. I think no, no, no. You need to understand that this is a true story and that yeah. like the level of tragedy is actually higher than what's in the movie. Um, yeah. Like know that they didn't add a bunch of stuff for dramatic effect. That they took stuff out to make the film mm-hmm. more to make it so that you could swallow the film because the true story is worse. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, um, it's interesting if you're uh, an AEW fan, uh, MJF is in it for like two seconds. Um, he's like an executive producer. He's also an executive producer, which I thought was weird, but I don't know. He must have some I, I assume he helped. Deal. I'm assuming it, uh, it, he helped them get it made yeah. by, you know, 
screen. Uh, apparently there's a whole like uh, B storyline in it that got cut out of it. Um, where they bring in, and this you know, happened in real life, where they bring in a kayfabe, another brother, even though they were out of brothers in real life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, he, yeah. It's, it, to me, it's a really sad element of the story that got left out. It's like when the brothers were dying off that they just invented a fake brother. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he played that character and you only oh. see him for like two seconds in like a montage scene. Oh, okay. I didn't know that's who he played in his cutscenes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, Chavo Guerrero was the wrestling, uh, supervisor on the movie, Yeah, which that dude has made like a living off doing that stuff now, which is good. Cause he, at least I feel like is a good, like he respects the business enough to, yeah. to be like, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it right. Which I think is the better way to go. He's on camera. He gets a role at some point too, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, like, from a wrestling perspective, like we've established as a drama film, this is amazing. The performances are amazing, but I also think they went out and they got actors that were willing to do the stuff. So there is when they're showing them in the ring, they're not cutting away to yeah. wrestlers. Yeah. They're these guys are doing it, and I think that that's important because part of all of the pain and the suffering is the physical pain and suffering that these guys are going through trying to make their dad happy, trying to achieve their own personal goals. You know, the, the reason it's important, the reason it's important from a filmmaking perspective that they win these belts is because you're watching how hard they're working for them as characters. And I think it's, you need to be able to see that impact and you do very much so with like at least the main couple of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's important. And Yeah. Yeah. They do a good job too. Like uh, Zach Efron got ripped as we mentioned, maybe a little too ripped. Yeah. It's, it's not what wrestlers back then look like. <laughs> maybe it would fit like, in in today's world. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like if he was more, he definitely had the more of the body type that like Carrie had in real life, but Kevin was a lot leaner and stuff, but yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's good to see them actually in the ring, like doing the work and stuff. So it definitely helps helps the movie, um, the believability part of it. You're not just uh, yeah. cutting to other random people doing all the moves. And I think like it's it's one of those things in filmmaking where, like, technically they probably could have filmed it using stunt guys or whatever bring in like wrestlers as stunt guys and do it in a way where it would look good. And probably like from a technical perspective, you wouldn't have anything negative to say, but the, the the feeling of it doesn't come through when it's fake. You know what I mean? It's it's like really, really good CGI still feels fake because some, something in your brain knows it's, you know what I mean? And, And I feel like that's what it would be here is like, if it were, I don't know if they were, cutting away a little bit too much and stuff would you have the same sympathy would you have the same level of excitement for the characters when they achieve their goals and would you have the same sympathy for them when they fall short if you weren't watching them suffer to achieve those goals and i don't think you would yeah Yeah, because we see a scene with kevin towards the beginning where uh harley race kind of goes off script a little bit and starts like you know really beating the shit out of him for real and you kind of get to see sort of that sort of like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, it's choreographed, but these guys really like hurt themselves to get through yeah. all this. And 
you know, even sometimes the people who are supposed to be taking care of them still yeah. giant douchebags and do whatever and whatever. But yeah. Well, it's, and it's interesting to use that word because you say the people who were trying to take care of them or supposed to take care of them aren't. And yeah. in that moment, it's like, yeah, the guy in the ring is, throws him out and he gets hurt because he wasn't anticipating being thrown that way and lands wrong or whatever. And you're like, okay, so that's an, a kind of an interesting thing to have happen f- for the character. But when he's back in the dressing room and his dad is like lecturing him for laying there too long and he's like, I physically couldn't move for a few seconds there, dad. Like I landed so hard. I just couldn't get up. There's nothing I could do. That wasn't that wasn't a, a, a flaw in my performance. It was me trying to get up and just not able to do it. And the dad has no reaction whatsoever. And you're like, no, he says, doesn't matter. You got to tough it out. Yeah. Get up, get back in there. It's just like, I, I, again, the guy that's supposed to be taking care of you does not give a shit. If your back is broken, get up and finish the match. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's all, it all plays it together so well. And none of it is, they do such a good job of having all those moments that are in your face. It's not like, like the dad doesn't say, I don't care if you're hurt. He just says, you got to get up and finish your match. Like that's the only thing that matters to him. And that's the only thing, the way he judges his kids is the only thing is that matters is how well they do that. Yeah. Which we should also point out that he ranks his children. Yeah. That's in the trailer. And it, I thought because it was in the trailer that it wouldn't upset me when it happened in the film, but man, Yep, and that was true. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, like you're my favorite, you're my second, then you, then you, then you. And But the rankings can always change. Yeah. Like, Good lord. Oh yeah. What a fucking garbage. <laughs> what a terrible human being. Uh so the Von Eric family still wrestles. Uh two of the brothers wrestles a tag team, the Von Erics. Do they um, the two it's Kevin's kids, right? Yeah. yeah, they wrestle uh, mainly for MLW, which uh, they put their shows up on YouTube every week. Um, and they were just on AEW a couple weeks ago as the movie was getting ready to come out. And uh, they were there, and then uh, Kevin was there. And so the younger ones got to have a match. And then, uh, <clears throat> of course, somebody got involved who wasn't supposed to. And so uh, Kevin came down and put the old iron claw on him. Oh, really? They let him yeah. Deep- one last time he's because he's yeah. wicked old now right yeah he's got to be in his 70s and uh yeah it was just a lot of fun it's just watching uh i'm trying to even remember who they were wrestling i don't know but it was some like you know super heel guy <clears throat> and of course he comes down and just you know spins him around puts that claw on until the guy goes down on the mat and stuff and it was just a lot of fun yeah. it's just like holy shit i just got to watch kevin von eric put a claw on somebody in the ring except like i don't know being from as far north as we are, I only Von Eric I ever saw wrestle was Texas Tornado. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, the 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 younger boys are, are still really good. They were tag team champions in MLW. I think their contracts up, so they might be moving to a different company. Probably AEW, I would assume. Yeah, whatever. Seemed like they had a good, uh, pretty good relationship with them there. That's one of the weird things about the world of pro wrestling is like, you can have this movie come out that displays all this tragedy and you know, just deep down there's still some bond Eric's go, Oh, we can get some, we can get some heat out of this. We can do, you know what well, I mean? Of course. Like it, of course. it's one step away from it. Like having the director on and having one of the on Eric's come out and fight him to like, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, that, that, that's is, a little uh, more eighties than I'm sure what they're doing today, but, uh, because, uh, they were in Dallas. So of course the Von Erics were there. Yeah. yeah. Even though they don't live so, there anymore, but that's not the point. <laughs> nope. Nope. They all live in Hawaii now, but yeah, it was, uh, no, it was a fun tie in. It was a fun tie in to promote the movie because WWE didn't do jack shit to promote it. So well, why would they? Yeah, I know. I mean, their involvement in the story is that they fired the guy right before he killed himself. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, the amputee who still worked hard for your, co- your company and then he developed a drug addiction due to the pain and suffering of his amputation. And then you guys fired yeah. him for that. <laughs> Do you guys not want that story told? No, you don't want people talking about that. Oh, all right. Um, Triple H tried to spin it that they had, they were just run like a European tour or something and have the, the wrestlers despair to help promote it or something. I don't know. Whatever. Some bullshit excuse that he's like, it just didn't line up with our, with that, with our schedule. Yeah. yeah it's fine. AEW will take him. Let Kevin put the claw on somebody in the ring. It's great. All right. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, it's a, like a real, like nine out of 10 kind of movie for me. I just, yeah. it hit, it had so it had so, some funny moments. It had so, the drama just sucked you in. It was sad as hell. The happy ending is like the saddest happy ending in the history of filmmaking. You're like, <laughs> built, built a yeah. new family to replace the one he lost. Is that anything? Yeah. Um, we can talk about the comedy a little bit before we sign off, I guess, which I thought was funny because it's just basically a lot of it just comes from how single-minded Kevin is throughout the movie. Yeah. Like his eventual wife, like she's she's purposely trying to pick him up at a show. Where he's just shown up, walking to the building, yeah. signing autographs and stuff, and she's constantly, she's like super, being super obvious about, yeah, hey, you should ask me out on a date, and she eventually just has to like say it out loud, yeah. and he's like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. The moment where so he's like, just... "Do you want my brother to sign this too?" And she's like, "No, I only came back here to see you," and he has no reaction. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fun. Like just the naivete. Uh, yeah. And then like, you know, that plays into the thing you were talking about when they're, she's like, well, what do you want? And he's like more ribs <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so they do that. And then it turns kind of sad there in the middle when he's, Oh, cause I guess we're going to talk about that. They, they, they feel like they have the Von Eric name as a curse on it. Yeah. And it gets to the point. Kevin doesn't even want to be around his kids because he doesn't want it to like, uh, he says, "I don't want them sort of to rub get off it. on him." And it's like, "Oh, what a like!" But I, you can you can see. I don't know if that how true that is to real life, but like in the movie, I think it works because it's believable. Um, yeah. Where you're just like, yeah, I could see somebody who's like, there's this rumor of a family curse, and you're like, that's stupid. Why would I? Who would believe in a family curse? And then all of a sudden, all your brothers start dying off, and you're like, oh shit! Like, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. it's when the conspiracy theory starts unfolding right before your eyes, you're like, maybe it's, maybe there is some truth. I don't know. <laughs> but that, that was a really sad moment too, where like, since I got the one brother's funeral and he's there with his wife and then she's like, are you coming home? And he's like, I, I got some stuff. And she's like, you've got to come home. Like your kids need you. And it's like, it's really sad. I know you're trying to talk about the comedy, but unfortunately this film makes me think no, no, no. about other say, sad moments. No, because that's what it dovetails into. Because it starts out with his sort of like innocence and, and just sort of naivete of, you know, he's so single-minded on his brothers and wrestling that he's completely oblivious to all this stuff around him. And then when all that tragedy starts happening, like he unfortunately gets super focused on the tragedy part of it. 
Yeah. And so then like, yeah, it becomes this heartbreaking thing where he's sleeping at the, at the uh, arena and stuff because he doesn't want his kids to, like you said, catch it. And then eventually like it comes back around and he shows up again and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I think they did a good job too of portraying him as like, um, he was very human in the way that he interacted with his family. I thought that worked really well. And I, I liked that he sort of, it, it, they didn't say anything to this effect in the movie, but it's the feeling I got was like when he had no more brothers, he was able to then focus on his kids and kind of turn his attention a little bit more towards them. And I liked that. Yeah. Cause it shows he comes home and then the movie jumps ahead a couple of years and it shows him sort of being the dad that, shows up because the bus is there to drop him off. Yeah. I, I, makes them dinner and stuff. And so he really gets super involved in, in their life. And that's when he makes the uh, decision, like, we need a house. We don't need, we can't live yeah. in an apartment anymore. And I love the, I love the message that like, uh, you can learn from other people's mistakes. Like you don't have to grow up and may do the same things that your parents did. Like if you see them making mistakes, if you can take that in, you can then turn around and become the opposite of it. Obviously this is like an extreme example, but it's nice to see it portrayed that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It certainly seems like he's like very different from his father. And Oh yeah. He saw the impact of that parenting style and went a different way with it kind of thing. Yeah, they they really play that up in that final scene too, where yeah. his sons ask him, you know, he's crying and stuff. And he's like, "What's the matter?" He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be crying in front of you, men don't cry." And they're and they're both just like, "What are you talking about? Like we cry all the time." Yeah, and he's just like, "Oh, okay." And then that sort of helps like helps him realize that yeah, he needs to yeah sort of do his own thing and not uh, not sort of fall back on all the stuff that his dad used to tell him. And that idea too, like we, we keep saying they try to put a happy ending on it. That's the idea that like, look, there's your hope. The hope is in the future with these kids. You know, yeah. there, there is hope for a better life after all the, everything that happened. And, you know, yeah. uh, again, with, with this, you know, two hour movie where it starts where they're already dealing with the death of one child and then one guy dies of sickness and then two guys commit suicide on screen. You know, but there's hope though. <laughs> it the balls to make a movie this dark I, I respect the director the writer director i should say for doing yeah. it because it's a hard it's a hard hard story to tell something this dark with very little upside to it yeah which uh same podcast i had heard that uh that i was talking about before they were talking about how it's interesting how they marketed this movie about about it being about the brother's sort of relationship and not about the tragedy of the family. Yeah. Which he's, he was like, that is a smart idea because I think if they marketed it for what the movie actually is, it would have drove a lot of people away. Well, yeah, I, I'd be very curious to see the reaction of somebody who knows nothing about this family that either, yeah. you know, is just a, a wrestling fan that just wants to go see a wrestling movie or, you know, just some, there's people out there like me who just still go to movies because they feel like going to the movies and well, what's playing today, you know, um, it'd be super interesting to see the reaction of somebody going in based on the trailers, not understanding the level of tragedy they were going to witness and then see right. what happened. Yeah, I went to a 1030 show. So I watched this, went home, went to bed. Yeah. Not a great plan. No, I, not a good plan. You do something happy afterwards. Yeah. I went like, during the day and then had to like pick my kid up afterwards 
like, oh, well. You're like, will you be my brother? <laughs> Lando's like, what? Kicking me in the shins and running off on his way. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.